Yes. All right. There will be bourbon. Mark Sibley tonight, author of, for those of you listening and not watching, I'm sorry, but it's called Mongol Moon, right? When does this come out, Mark? Oh, man. Uh, January 2020, just before COVID. Oh, yeah. Good timing award goes to Mark on that one. So right. he's an author of the book. Like I said, Mongol Moon. He's also a crisis and risk manager, right? Is that real day? Uh, yeah. Real, real, real day job. job. Sounds pretty cool. We're probably going to just talk about that. No one really interested in the book, but, um, yeah, or this sequel or the stupid note. sequel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we do that though, going to be fueled of course, by the finest American native spirits. I'm double fisted on bookers tonight. All right. We've got bookers batch. What was this? 2019 number two shiny barrel batch. And then 2020 number three, the pigskin batch. So if you guys have wow. those delicious stuff, well, so Very cool. Yeah. And then whatever, you know, I know, uh, Curtis likes me to once in a while keep track of how much I consume. So, oh yeah, and Mark will be using a little Knob Creek nine year. Can't go wrong there. Actually, you know what? Let's just. That's good. That's a good theme. We'll we'll follow that up with the little Knob Creek fifteen year from a bourbon group. Oh, in once upon a time. Good there stuff. you go. There you go. Yeah, I've, I've had it on here a few times. Fifteen years and nine months. It's called the Third Amigo. Deliciousness. They don't make it anymore because it was wow, a wow. thing. But anyway, so yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Uh, and again. Uh, like I said, he's the author of Mongol Moon. So let's start there. Um, now, I know this was brought up in our little niche of the, the hell site called Twitter. All right. So most people realize I find most of the people I talk to on here on Twitter. Um, but I know like. I don't know if it was 2020 when it was first brought up, but I know that your, your books kind of floated around on there for a while. And I think someone mentioned having the podcast and getting you on and doing that. It's like, yeah, I'll do that once I finally read a book because I don't. Right. I wasn't, at the time, I wasn't reading much. Just <laughs> being honest, I wasn't reading many books, and I've, yeah. I've started reading a lot more since, obviously, COVID. Right. But I'll be honest. The, the type of I don't like to read. I guess I usually don't read books like that. Post-apocalyptic, yeah. dystopian type stuff. Well, and then like the military angle. I know that's part of it. It's not all of it, but I, I just, I, I take shit too literally sometimes. Yeah, where I overanalyzed things. Like I remember the worst part was this, we were getting ready to go to Iraq in 2003, and God, what was that? Basic, I think it was called the movie with Samuel L. Jackson and oh my John God. Travolta. Yeah, and you know Samuel L. Jackson's—he's a master sergeant in the movie. Right. And in one scene, you know he's wearing like the fucking <laughs> cardigan with the the E8 master sergeant rank on it. Right. And then. It was either in a scene before or after he's wearing like his regular BDU top with specialist rank on it. And yeah. I'm in the movie theater and this is just eating me up because you know, I, <laughs> I was a young PFC at the time. And I'm just it's stuff like that that always kind of like I get it. I know there's reasons why. Right. But still. And so, you know, not knowing anything about you at the time, I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll get the book and uh, eventually I'll read it. Um, right. So I read it. And it's great. I fucking loved it. I, I really did. I That's you, awesome. I did. I'll be honest with you. I actually loved it. I read it in like a week, maybe three days after I sat down and dedicated time to it, sending it to my daughter. So that's, that's right. cool too. Um, yeah. I, I, I've been kind of blown away by that because people have, have told me they, they picked up the book and then read it in like 24 hours or 36 hours and yeah. couldn't put it down. I'm like, are you kidding me? But maybe because I've read the book like 400 times. And it, and it, it didn't take you 36 like, hours to write. No, no. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's cool. Uh, I really dig that, you know, because because really all I wanted to do was write the write the story that I wanted yeah. to read. Right. And going back to your point about inconsistencies, my big one is satellite phones. 
if you've ever used an Iridium satellite phone and you watch World War Z, <laughs> he gives that satellite phone to his wife in the depths of that ship. And then she calls him from her bunk in the depths of that metal bound ship. Yeah. It's you totally need plausible. line of sight, dude. Yeah. And I'm screaming at the TV. <laughs> and my wife's no like, one gets what are that. you talking about? I'm like, come on. This is what I did for eight years or 12 years was, was run satellite comms and stuff as part of my crisis management job and whatnot. Yeah. And you got to go through all kinds of, of stupid base station BS and, and whatnot to, to be able to use satellite phone inside, right? If you're a civilian, now I know the military has all kinds of satellite technology and whatnot built in and ships can do that stuff, but they got the, they got the, the, the seafaring uh, uh, satellite technology and whatnot, which is, which is better than in or better than uh, Iridium type stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I just, I throw things at the TV when I see stuff like that. And that's why, I reached out to a just a crap ton of people with Mongol Moon because I never yeah. served in the military. Yeah. I just have a healthy fascination, unhealthy fascination for tanks, <laughs> right? So I was like, let me reach out to some guys. And I reached out on Twitter. I was like, does anybody drive a tank, fight a tank, in tanks forever, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. And I got a couple of guys and then I asked for a bunch of Marines to, to, to read my, my Marine stuff. Because the last thing I wanted, whether people like the story or not, I didn't want people doing a review or hitting me up on Twitter going, that's stupid. Marines don't do that. Right. <laughs> well, right? I mean, technically at this point, they don't do tanks anymore. Right. Like exactly. Look exactly. What Look what you did. You caused Dude. the Marine Corps to get rid of tanks. Oh my God. The world <laughs> has moved so fast since yeah. Mongol Moon. And now I wrote, I wrote a couple of chapters in the sequel. And then all of a sudden, the wait, world hold changed. on, stop. So yeah. there is a sequel. Oh yeah. All right, then we don't need to talk about that. Then all right, all right. Here you go. Okay, carry on. Yeah, there is a sequel. <laughs> but I wrote two chapters in it, and and then all of a sudden, that environment wasn't there anymore. Yeah. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And I had to, I had to sit down and think for about a week. Do I just? And it wasn't like twenty four seven thinking. It was like, do I want to like make this in the present world because? Or do I want to just keep it in my book world? And so I'm keeping yeah. it in my book world. So, so where did you see it when you were writing it? Was it present day? Because I know like you start out back it was in Afghanistan. The, yeah. It was Afghanistan present day. Okay. So, so, so I wrote it before. I, I wrote those chapters before the Afghanistan debacle. Right. Oh, and then after the Afghanistan debacle, I was like, either I got to change a bunch of stuff and figure out a different place or I just keep it in my world. And so I, I'm just keeping it in my world. Yeah. I mean, you don't, I mean, it's not a true story yet. So why not? Yet, right? Although, <laughs> although people are like, give me the sequel, stop writing. It's too real. Yeah. Come so, okay. So let's, let's go there. So the, for those that are interested in, in the book, Mongol moon, like you said, uh, what is it about? Why did you pick this theme to, to cover? How did you get into all the various angles that you kind of interweave? What was the yes. inspiration for it? Yeah, so so believe it or not, my inspiration for this novel at the very beginning was D.B. Cooper and the money he took, mm. right? Great Unsolved Mysteries episode when I was a kid growing up. Right? So, so I, 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 I loved that whole thing. And I was like, I was like, how do you, how would you go about doing this piece and then that piece and, and disguising things? And I go back to Red Dawn, right? Yeah. The original, not the stupid one. I didn't um, see the new one. So yeah, yeah don't. Um, 
unless you like uh, uh, Adrian Palicki, then then go for it. Um, oh, you know who she is. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I'm sitting there and thinking about the Colonel, the F-15 fighter pilot, and he's like, "Yeah, the first wave came across as commercial charter flights, right?" And I'm like, okay, so I take that piece. Mongolman's kind of a play off Red Dawn, the, the, the title. And then I'm just sitting there and I'm tracking because I'm a crisis manager and whatnot. Yeah. And sometimes I get into these little niche, you know, tracking modes. Mm-hmm. And I pulled up this satellite tracker at, at the job I was at just before I, I left that and started writing the book. And the two North Korean satellites that were up there, yeah, you know, they're, they're still up there they're dead, but they're up there and they're trackable and you can see them. Right. And I'm like sitting there going, let's just see where these guys go. I mean, it's, it's something I'm sitting in my office. I'm just watching the satellite tracker. And it turns out that every once in a while, both of those North Korean satellites in the real world at the same time are over Kansas city junction and someplace in Germany at the very same time. And I was like, Oh, maybe maybe I can do something with this yeah. and I can pull it out of the real world and actually use some real world stuff and kind of weave this thing together. And so DB Cooper, the 727s with the drop ramp and whatnot, these two North Korean satellites. And then I got to fit a tank in there somehow. And I, I, I just, I got lucky because I was able to leave that job and sit at a coffee shop for nine months yeah. before and, and just do that full time kind of That's decompress. Cool. I needed to decompress after 15 yeah. years being on call right. uh, for, for, for some, for some really <laughs> elongated crises. Um, it was pretty, pretty taxing. Um, so I needed to decompress before I got back in the job market. And so I wrote for nine months until my wife was like, you got to get off Cobra. We're paying for Cobra. You idiot. Come on, let's go get <laughs> another job. Um, and I'm like, but this is my dream. Right. So, uh, so yeah, so, so I just sat down and I just started writing because that's, that's what everybody says. You can buy all the stupid how to write books and how to get your novel published and do all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, it's applying your ass to the seat and your dubs to the keys. Yeah, that's, that's what Clay that's, said. Clay Martin, I mean, when I had him on, yeah. I asked him about the first, he's like, you just got to go down and do it. Yeah, you but know? that dude's crazy. He, 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 he writes one of his books in like a month after he's true. worked he's, all day and yeah, he writes all night. And I'm like, dude, that's insane. I can't write after a he day. still has time to shit post. You know, as a, I know. Did you ever think about that though? Like before, you know, my old account, I remember before I got rid of it, I must've had like a hundred and some thousand tweets. Did you ever think about how many, like how many pages that would be if you just could download your whole. Dude, you you know what's sad? You know what's really sad? My wife just brought this up and I've, I've done the math on it before, but she brought it up again yesterday. Um, She's like, you know, because I told her how much I think I had left. Yeah. In the sequel. And she's like, you know, if you wrote straight through, that's a week i'm like i hate you we can hate you because that's not how it works right you can't just right. sit down you, and write you, straight you, you through ideas and all yeah right i mean thinking is writing good idea fairy writing, floats by good idea good. fairy yeah all that you know shit. it's a lot of stuff i mean i have all the ideas in my head it's just i have to find time with the new job because i just took a new job after the last job in january and it's a it's a it's a cluster so um uh, half of the team is all the way in India. So our calls start early in the morning. And that's the one thing I took from Jocko Willink, right? Discipline equals freedom. That's what helped me finish Mongol Moon because I wasn't finished when I started a job again. Oh, really? So oh, I had to change up yeah. and I had to get into the coffee shop at 6.30 every morning 
and write while my brain was fresh. Yeah. No tweets, no Twitter, <laughs> no work. I just wrote for By the like coffee an shop, hour did you just Did you just feel good there? Yeah, because it's like uh, I needed to get out. When I, when I left yeah. the job, I needed to get out. I can't write yeah. at home. I can't even work at home. I got three kids, yeah. three dogs, the wife. If, if I'm here, I have things to do for her, right? So, um, <laughs> and there's always things, there's always interruptions. But at the coffee shop, I feel like I've gone away. It's only a mile away, right? Yeah. But I feel like I've gone away to work or gone away yeah. to do something, right? So I'm in my, in my element. And by the way, they just told me that I'm their, their biggest customer, which kind of scares me. Well, I used to do that. I mean, when I did my master's a few years ago, like every week and I would procrastinate all of my week's worth of writing and I would right. just go down to the coffee shop and, and yeah. knock out the 10, 12, whatever pages it was there. Right. I felt like I could do it there and I, I didn't want to do it at home. Same thing. You just, right. you know, it just comes out a lot easier and then you get it over with and you know, you get to know some random strangers in the coffee shop and I've, I've, I've met that was some... before the world went to shit. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. I've, I've, I've met some interesting strangers. So this is a Northern Virginia Loudoun County coffee shop. Uh, everybody okay. knows Loudoun County now since we've been all over the freaking news with our school board. Um, <clears throat> but there's a coffee shop uh, that I sit at. And uh, honest to God, there's some uh, two guests from Tucker Carlson frequent it a lot. Yeah. And, and, and one is a well-known author, former army guy, uh, Colonel Doug McGregor. Oh, okay. Uh, Battle of Hastings, 63 Hastings oh, shit. in Iraq. Yeah. yeah. So he's been on Tucker a lot. And so he and I hooked up. Turns out his son was there and his, his son and I are talking about business stuff and whatnot. So it, everybody comes in there. I've, I've, I've seen, uh, unfortunately, Andrew McCabe, uh, former acting director of the FBI, lives in my neighborhood. And he frequents that <laughs> coffee shop, which is... Is he on that cul-de-sac that's in uh, Mongol Moon? Is he no, <laughs> he's not, but he's near. I don't know exactly where my wife does, but I don't know. But I can't be mad at him. Yeah. Because his wife is a surgeon and guess mm -hmm. what? His wife is a surgeon at the hospital up the street and she has performed surgeries on me and two of my children. <laughs> you know, it's a small world, right? Like, right? <laughs> like, like emergency appendectomies, all three of us. So you got, right? again, it's just like anything else. You got to separate the art from the artist. Yeah. You know, totally. totally. <laughs> I'm just going mean, to shut so up and let write. Me, let, me, let me stop you there though, because that's, that's, that's brings you to a good point. I wanted to get your thought on this anyway. And, and you yeah. know, we'll get into the fact that there's a sequel and all those things, but yeah. So Elon Musk has bought Twitter, right? Now we have a, just an insane reaction to that by in my opinion and i know this has been pointed out it's not an original thought but it's it's probably like the most forefright thought that should come to people's mind it's like most of these people who have a problem with him buying twitter of all things they buy teslas right they don't they don't have a problem with his car or or him inventing like in their mind what's going to save the fucking planet is this car right. this electric vehicle right that he right. came up with never mind how it's made or what it and his batteries his wall never mind Tesla's. that's not important but yeah. <laughs> if the man wants to buy an app on your phone somehow right. that is an infringement upon free speech and or which is supposed to be the exact opposite but so but what did you think about that and how do you view this and is there a, is there a bigger play here that they're trying to go with or is this just a stupid emotional knee jerk that'll disappear in a week like the latest you know, mass shooting right um which we don't even pay attention to anymore um i think and it's 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 great for me because i've always liked musk right um in, he in whatever in he does what will he be in the sequel only if he tweets out my freaking book come on that'd babe. be good 
to the moon right there. But you yeah, gotta, yeah. <laughs> like, like take one and put it in orbit. Let it float. Let it float <laughs> like a North Korean satellite, baby. Um, no, because what he said was, was kind of like, like, like all these people are like, I don't know. I'm going to leave Twitter. There's too much, there's too many libs on here and there's too much hate and I get hate all day and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I've been saying it for a year. This is a town square. Yeah. This is where everything is. I'm not going to parlor or gab or getter or any of that crap. Why? Because that's just a bunch of me over there. I don't want to talk to me. I want to talk to people that are making fun of those idiots here. Yes. And laugh at them. I want to point and mock. I want to point and mock. And if he allows me to point and mock more, that's great. Maybe I sell a few books. You never know. So yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. And all these people saying, you know what $44 million could do for billion dollars could do for climate change or world hunger? It nothing. It can't nothing. do anything. Exactly. Absolutely you had nothing. all the time in the world and all these trillions of dollars that you could have done something. Exactly. Money can't solve that. The, 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 yeah, like Someone made this point about, I guess, the UN or whatever. And it's like the fucking UN's budget you could take, which isn't that big comparatively to the purchase price of Twitter. However, as many right. years as that's been in, in play and the amount of charitable programs and all these fucking organizations set up to solve that specific issue. I mean, most of that shit goes to fucking salaries and oversight anyway. They're not solving right. the problem. No. I mean, and if, and if Twitter was so goddamn concerned with any of that shit, like their office in downtown San Francisco is like a three minute walk from city hall. And that backs into the Tenderloin district. You go tell me if those people are concerned with fucking homelessness and drug use and all this and, and, all, and hunger and all that shit. They're not. No. It's, it's the biggest fucking make me feel bad about something that I shouldn't even right. care about story that's been out in a very long time. And the fact that he's got $44 billion to do it, good for him. Like whatever happened to Yeah. Well done. The wealth envy culture is just hilarious to me. It always has been. It's like, oh my God, that guy's successful. I should be, I should hate him for that. You know you what? Aspire to be successful. Now it's just like you hate people who are actually good at something. Exactly. I want everybody to be successful. It's like it's like Farmageddon. Have you heard about Farmageddon? I've heard about it. Okay. So, but tell us about it. <laughs> okay. So you're right. So many of your listeners know about Farmageddon, I and so. I will be there with them. So oh. normally it's held in Texas every May, right? And it, okay. fear of the floof, you know, yeah. uh, those <laughs> guys. Guy. Um, another one we got to get on here. Oh. Oh, oh, oh my, <laughs> that would be great. Um, so, so I went down there for the first time last year and dude, it's just fear the floof and me and everybody else. We want everybody to have guns. Everybody that's legally able to have guns, go do it. That's what the second right? amendment's for. It's because not, this is great. Qualify it. Right. And, and we had every, every, all kinds of people there. It was the most inclusive grouping or outing that I've been at forever. Some dude showed up in a Bernie bro t-shirt and one of those British caps and whatnot. And he was shooting with us and we were taking pictures with him and his Bernie bro. We didn't care. You like guns rock on dude. Let's That's shoot. Let's shoot. Well, I mean, I just put this out before we started this, like it's with that, that stupid fucking meme that always pops up. It's like, if you have no problem with this, then you shouldn't have a problem with this. It's like white people with guns and then black people with guns. Like, why would I give a fuck? It's the fucking second amendment for the United States of America, not the fucking right. white people, not, you know, whatever other fucking right. thing you want to use to splinter and divide people. Exactly. It's all inclusive. If you have a gun legally, like you said, and you can own it. Great. And in my right. opinion, as I've always put out is whatever the fucking government should have, I should have. 
Exactly. I can exactly. afford it. Now, Musk, right. can probably, <laughs> Musk can probably buy those satellites and the tanks and all that shit in your book. Oh, yeah. I can't quite yet. However, nope. I'm just saying, like, that's the whole point. Just because technology is advanced doesn't mean the words on that page, to, you know, defining the Second Amendment have to change. Right. Right. Let's dude, dude, there, there was a guy that I worked with at the company that shall not be named um, yeah. that I did for eight years. And, uh, and we were both directors and uh, he only had one kid. He had the college paid for. So all of his stuff he put into this gun closet. It was a skiff rated <laughs> big, like, like teak door That's with padlock or, or number key on it. That's all you I go want. in there and I can't dude, do it. Dude. He has everything. He had a saw. He had belt feds. He was saving up for a freaking Gatling gun. See, that's what he was there, saving there's up people for. that do that with guns. And then there's me with bourbon behind, right. you know, you, right. whatever you dedicate yourself to and put your money into good for you. I'm just See? glad you can do that. Right. See, I, I, I just try and get ahead. And then my wife thinks we need a new Beamer. So then, uh, then, then that happens. Beamer family, huh? Um, I had, I had a, this is the story on that. So a long time ago, uh, I told her because I had stopped working, you know, in my career, I got from DC and progressively worked at the Pentagon, worked in Arlington at DISA, worked in McLean, and it, it, it comes out from DC to where I am now, right? And I wanted to get more cows, less people, mm -hmm. right? So finally got that. And I was like, I'm driving five minutes to work and back. And I'm driving this crappy old Highlander, right? Um, and I was like, really look. crappy though. Those never really break down. Do no, but I was tired of it. Uh, okay. And I, and, 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 and we had a bunch of kids at that point that were trash. That one might it. survive the EMP actually. Yeah, it could, <laughs> it might before 1986 is, is a good bet. This was not before 1986. <laughs> so I told my wife, I was like, look, all these Z threes out there, you know, the James Bond car convertible, yeah. they're selling for like 5k high miles. I don't care. I just like the look of it. So my, 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 my sales type a wife that's worked in sales her whole life, um, uh, she goes out and she does all this research and then she just shows up in the driveway with a Z4. Mm. And I'm like, okay. And so I had a Z4 that I drove five miles to work it back for, I don't know, it was a 2007. We got it in 2009, just sold it uh, two, three months ago. And we got another convertible, which was twice as expensive as that one. And didn't really need it, but worth it. Yeah, my wife just <laughs> worth it. <laughs> oh my god, wife thinks it's worth it. Well, right. So good for you. Good for yeah. You. <laughs> so 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 we got to go through that stuff because the other cars are like a minivan, a Toyota Corolla, a Dodge Ram, which we loved, but now goes. You know, my sixteen-year-old uses it to pull his trailer with all his lawn mowers on it and everything for his. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah that's right. Okay. So yeah. you know, that's it's cool. all good. So, okay, let me, let's, all right, I'm going to, we're going to be all over the place, which is good. Yep, so back to the book. All right. We, we talked about the inspiration. All right. So briefly what happens in Mongol moon? And then I got some questions on this. So, all right, what, so what's, the, what's the catalyst moment here? So, so I had to figure out a way for all of this to happen. I, there had to be a way because most writers don't have a title. They write the book and then they come up with a title, yeah, right, or they come up with it during writing. I had Mongol Moon right from the get, so I had to figure out a way to rope that all in. So, why Mongol Moon then? Um, 
Cause you, I mean, you do, you have a good, cool story on the history of that, but was that something you already, you already knew or. Yeah. So I wanted yeah. to kind of weave that in cause I'm a history major. Okay. I made some of that stuff up not yeah. all true. I mean, <laughs> you know, author shit TM. Yeah, exactly. um, so um, I, 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 I wanted to have a lot of different characters because yeah. I'm, I'm half OCD and half ADD. So I get really bored with one character. Like right now, I probably couldn't read the Tom Clancy books, even though Tom Clancy, like Red Storm Rising was a huge uh, influence on me. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I started reading Jack Carr, who his first book, The Terminalist, was, it blew my mind. It was great. And I got about a third into the next book and put it down because I, I can't focus on one character the whole time. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's the Mitch Raps and there's the the whoever Brad Thor writes about and whatever, yeah. and they make billions, billions of dollars, right? But the market's so saturated with the one alpha male that saves everybody. Yeah. Or, or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You know, so so I just wanted, I had all these ideas. I had these people in my head that wanted out, right? Because mm -hmm. I've been thinking about this a while. So I had the DB Cooper, the 727s, the, the, the two satellites, um, but I needed a bad guy. Right. And this is where I will only, this will be the only time I ever plug or the only way I ever give Stephen King kudos. Right. Cause I tried admirably to read a couple of his books. I made it through Dreamcatcher, but it took me like two months. Right. Well, it's because it's all of his books are like 2000 pages. Right. Which I have no, yeah. I, I will give him like not my cup of tea as a person, but the yeah. fact that he's made, I, I can't, it, it just, it makes no sense how many pages he's written, period, right. in all right. of his books. Just, he's a, he, he is a, he is a workhorse when it comes to that stuff. And I don't know how he does it. No um, I mean, he gets paid a lot. Maybe that's how he does it, but. Maybe not. But, yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but I, I did read his book called On Writing because I wanted to see yeah, how yeah. somebody like him would have done it, right? Yeah, I think Clay mentioned that as well. I think he- Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so in, on Twitter, when I first got on Twitter, it was for work. And then when I started writing, I got into the writing community on Twitter and I heard all about this pantser versus plotter mentality, right? There's two types of, two types of writers, maybe a hybrid in the middle. So plotters outline everything, yeah. they plot it out and yeah. then they write to that outline, right? Couldn't do it. Right. Neither can I. I'm not, I'm not that person. And then there's pantsers. They write by the seat of their pants. I don't know what I'm going to write about today. I will pick this character <laughs> and let's see where they start and where they end. Right. Uh, yeah. That, that would be me all through school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, totally. Totally. What's the totally. assignment? All right. Let's fucking do it. All right. <laughs> do my best work when it's the last minute. Right. Yeah, exactly. Let's just throw some words together That's and it. see what happens. That's it. Right. Um, so, so I'm like that. And, and, and he is also a pantser. He doesn't know where the story is going to go. And he describes it thus. You think of it as archaeology, right? You know, there's something under the dirt there, a story, right. Yeah. right? You take the big jackhammers and, and all that stuff, the rough tools, and you clear away the edges, right? And you see this story there. And then you start getting out the brushes and the chisels and you get down in there. And pretty soon after a lot of hard work, a lot of dirt and sweat and tears, and blood, because your fingers are bloody because nubs. <laughs> Lots of right? paper cuts. Lots of paper cuts. <laughs> um, you have the story and you can pull it out of the ground, right? And that's kind of his analogy to being a pantser, right? You don't know what the story is going to be because you don't know these characters yet. I, I had 
kind of ethereal visions of these characters and what their main thrusts would be, right? I have four main characters in Mongol Moon. I have like like 12 secondary characters, right? And a lot of people have told me they like the secondary characters, some of them better than the main characters. Well, I have a question on one. Okay. Okay, because... Let's go. Now, look. Now, again, the book, Mongol Moon, it's been out for a very long time. If you haven't read it yet, I encourage you to do it. However, I'm not going to feel bad about spoiling anything that's been out for a few years. Okay. Right, yeah, don't worry about it. the same thing with movies. People are like, oh, I haven't seen that yet. Well, then I don't fucking care. The movie came out a year ago. Go fucking watch it. Anyway, (laughs) so I wrote this down because I remember thinking like, man, I haven't heard about anything from this guy in a while. And all of a sudden... I'm reading the, the part where it's like, you know, there's footprints in the snow leading up to the thing. Is anyone and Ivan? Poor right. Ivan. Like, right. Talk about a character arc that never got a chance to develop. I thought it was a no. cool story. Like, he's just trying to save his daughter that he never got to raise. And you bring him back after 200 pages and he dies like instantly. It's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> because do you know why? Did you, not want to, did you just want to wrap it up at that point? <laughs> like, well, no, because Ivan does has a, have a wife. He's got his wife, right? Well, didn't she get killed too? Wait, hold on. No, oh, man. The, the wife's in the sequel. The wife is in this book, but she's the one sitting with the Russian president in the bunker. And she's the one. Right. And she, that, didn't, that part didn't get tied up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last so she's was. there, right? Yeah, but you um, still killed Ivan. Like he 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 made it to where his daughter is. And it's like, ah, let me just, you know, duck out under this headlock and right. Marines pop caps in him. And that's it. It's like, oh, fucking Ivan. Right. No, the Marine really didn't. <laughs> what? What I needed Ivan to be was Gail's target. Oh, because okay. so this kind of because Gail up to that point he hadn't shot anything. He was he felt inadequate in terms of protecting them and or 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 all of that stuff. Oh, okay. plus, that's, see, that's plus, look at you being an author. Look at this. Uh, it's it's know, legit. You hear this? It's, it's, this is fucking weird. real applause. It's right weird. Here. It's weird. <laughs> but also, everybody asked me, so which one's you? You're Gail, right? Because you're an analyst, you do risk and blah blah blah. I'm like, no. If you look around and you look at all the characters and all the stupid things they do, all the stupid things are me. I'm <laughs> spread all over the place. Like, like, like Gail laying down in the hallway and the Iranian dude coming up in the door and him going, and the tr- it's on safe. And then the gay bartender <laughs> has to has to double barrel the dude over top of him. Right. Yeah. Right. That's me. I've done that at the range so many times. I'm like, I get all ready. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so all the dumb things are me, like Floyd tripping down the stairs over Chewy. Yeah, I, I, my I, dog. I, that's me. That, that's, that, that's I've fallen over a dog on the chair on, on the stairs before. That fucking dog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's around here somewhere. She's Chewy, she's, the one, the one tooth wonder. Right. And she is, she is, uh, she is just like that. I'm the only person on this planet she hasn't bit yet. Yeah. And anybody who comes say- to my house <laughs> knows, knows they're going to get tagged. A little upset with the lack of cats in the book, but that's fine. We can work through that. Um, well, yeah. I've, I've heard about that and there's there. I'll figure that out in the sequel. That's good. Jesus. I mean, because if, if the, the Russian president is in a bunker somewhere, there's got to be like an evil cat. Like, remember Inspector Gadget, the fucking the evil kitty. That'd be great, you know. Or, I mean, you didn't, I guess we got to get back to the, the Chinese council underneath the fucking bunker down there at some point too, right? Those guys are still around. Yeah, I mean. There's a war going on apparently with India and fucking Pakistan. We gotta, right. I mean, you saw that. Yeah. You saw that before they, they, they de-orbited quickly. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I love that. The preemptive strike on Pakistan. Good for you, India. Good for you. You know, right? Right? Because he handed them. <laughs> okay, why not? He, he handed them the thumb drive. So before that dude gave them to Israel. <sighs> They knew what was coming, right? But you know what? It 
one of the scenes that I was really, I, I went through the first few chapters really quick because the scene I had in my head, right, the whole time was either shaving cream or blood droplets suspended in anti-gravity in the space station. And I had to, I had those in my head, right? Mm -hmm. How do I get to that point? How do I make this that? And I needed characters to, around that. So I have the Russian and the Scottish veterinary astronaut who used to be yeah. SBS, right? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> come on. I love that there's an astronaut from Scotland up there. Right? Right? <laughs> who fought in Afghanistan, man. That's fucking awesome. Who's a yeah, zoon zoonotic something or other. Yeah. I can't even remember. I had to look that up. I did a lot of research. How... You can't just put a vet up in space. You, it has to be something like animal husbandry yeah, or something. Right. I mean, it's got to have gerbils <laughs> up there, right? So, but, so that was good. Yeah. Um, then the other thing I wanted to talk about. So it, it, this is an EMP that goes off, right? Which is an yeah. electromagnetic Magnetic pulse. pulse, right? So, and what that does is essentially it fries electronics, right? Now, the first time this was ever introduced to us, or at least to me, Ocean's Eleven, right? 20 fucking years ago, going back to this point. And yeah. When they do it, it's in the Nevada desert, right? Outside of the Nevada, so the Vegas Strip. And it knocks out the power for 30 seconds, but everything comes back. Yeah, that's not how EMPs work. That's not how EMPs work, right? No, no baby. <laughs> so let me ask you this, though, because, and this probably gets into your, your, your real job, because this scenario is pretty fucking scary. Like, I don't think people realize how fucking, and you talk about it, like, you know, yeah. if something like this does happen, and I think that's why shows like the walking dead and some of those shows are so popular is because it really, it, it highlights how fragile society really is. It is Right. And if nine meals like away, happens, baby, yeah, nine, you know, nine meals away from anarchy. Right. That that's a good point. And what you're talking about is you can probably eat nine times before it's all over and you need right. to figure out where 10 is coming from. Right. Right. Um, but if an elect electromagnetic pulse weapon does happen, why in your opinion, with all you've already done from a, you know, your professional standpoint, why do you think that hasn't been done yet? I don't know. I, I, I think. Cause we do a lot of jammer technology, right? Especially oh, that was our way to counter IEDs and shit would jam the signals. But in yeah. terms of that original question, why do you think that hasn't been done? So there's a couple of things. The only time that we know of, or maybe one of the handful of times was starfish prime back in the sixties. So that's when they discovered electromagnetic pulse, right? And that's when they set off this multi-megaton warhead in the Atmo, right, above the Pacific. And it was a thousand miles away from, from Hawaii, mm -hmm. but all the street lights got blown out in Honolulu. Oh, shit. I mean, they just went, right? And everybody was like, what's going on, right? So then they started to test it and they started to think about uh, uh, what this phenomenon was, right? So they, they knew that there was some kind of pulse that came with dropping a nuclear weapon or, yeah. or detonating, right? Yeah. But when you send it up in the atmosphere into outer space, like three, 400 miles up, that pulse is going to get amplified okay. through, the, through the atmosphere. Yeah. It gets amplified and then everything below it in line of sight, in line of sight. basically it, it decreases at the edges. But if you put it 400 miles or 300 miles above Kansas City Junction, United States, you're covering 
northern Mexico, southern Canada, and pretty much all of the U.S. in that. Now, back in the 60s, not much would have happened right. because you're on vacuum tubes, things would have blown yeah. out maybe, yeah. but your car would still run, right? Right. You may have to change a spark plug or, or an alternator, who knows, right? But today, think about it. Everything's run with semiconductors. Everything has circuits in it, and they're small. Now, the small ones, we don't know yet. They could be the saving grace because this pulse comes in three waves, one, two, and three, right? Mm -hmm. Three is the long one. Three is the one that's going to get you, right? And that's what the transmission lines, yeah. it, it finds the longest transmission line or the longest conduit it can anywhere, right? And the longer it is, the worse it's going to be. And those transmission lines run from transformer to transformer, step up, step down of the power from the power station, right? You blow those transformers. Heck, if you blew one or two of those transformers now, uh, shooting it with an AK, right? Like they did in Southern California, Con right. Edison, whatever, PG&E, um, you, could, you could cripple the grid on the continent because there's only three grids in the United States, East, West, and Texas, right? And Texas is now because of that whole like winter, winter debacle, shit, yeah. you know, and, and, hey, our, our windmills don't turn when they're frozen, um, all that bullshit. Um, they're now connecting to the other two grids. Mm. So if you get a cascade and, and trust me, all our stuff is so old and those transformers take two years, three years lead time. And guess where we get them? China. Netherlands. No, Netherlands. Oh, OK. Netherlands or Sweden or something like that. So and we can't so even make those. No, we can't even make those, oh. right? And they take, even if we could, they take, it's not just gear sitting on a shelf somewhere, right? Um, because they're so expensive. So those transformers need to be built and replaced and that power rerouted while they're replacing it and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, that all that stuff's toast. So even if your phone did work and your electric car did still work because it had tiny electronics, you wouldn't be able to charge it because there'd be no grid left. There's, so you're screwed so, anyway. Yeah, there, there's so many ways to take this. Okay, let me let me back up because this is covered in the in the book. Okay. The the Russians they they had phones that that worked still. Right. Why? Pardon. What did you make that shit up or is that real? It's probably real. Because that's what I so that's what I want. <laughs> so, so how much is necessary to protect it, and is that not a countermeasure we can start so, building into our technology? Or so how? what I well no so it's simple. So what I had them do, I can't remember where I wrote it into the book, um, but I, I, I had them, they weren't using their phones when the thing happened. They had wrapped them in cardboard and then wrapped it in tinfoil. It's basically a Faraday cage, uh, which saves the electronics. God. And then afterwards they unwrap it and they have a working phone. Okay, so that's theoretically, the way to save your electronics is to build a Faraday cage and put them in it. You can no. take a metal trash can with a metal lid. <laughs> as long as you line it with cardboard or rubber or something else, because you don't want it to touch the sides and then you dump all your gear in there, put it, duct, duct tape it around uh, so nothing can get in and then just let it sit. What, but it won't matter anyway when all the fucking grid and all that shit gets knocked out. Right, unless you put your solar cells in there too. You build a big enough Faraday cage, you can put solar panels in there, all that. Right, but that won't matter if the fucking cell phone towers and the the all that shit gets blown. Yeah, but you can still play Tetris. Your phone will still work. I can still play Bubble Pop until it dies. 
yeah, but I got my solar solar panels in the Faraday cage. I pull them out and I hook them up. And then I got my charger. I mean, man. that's why Musk already said like I it doesn't make sense out. to use solar technology because no. it's not it's not it's not strong enough. It won't ever. Well, be strong. it doesn't make sense to use solar technology for large applications, but for yeah. small applications <laughs> like a phone, I mean, I said you can't call anyone if there's no one to call because they don't they didn't do this. They didn't do your cool guy idea. So. Right, but you still get your music. Still downloaded <laughs> on your phone. Trust me, trust me. I go through this whole thing about music in the sequel. Oh, okay. Trust that's me. Good. That's good. We do need an apocalypse fucking soundtrack. Dude, dude, ask Pickle. You know Pickle, yeah, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what else I'd like? I, I mean, sent him my my tank scenes with the speakers on the back yeah, of the tank good. because we had to have music up in this thing. Oh yeah, I've I've been around enough fucking tanks and families <laughs> where they got the music pumping. I'm like, you know, that's pretty fucking cool. But I was always told like something about noise discipline, but they don't really give a fuck at that point. Because what are you no. gonna do? Shoot a tank? Good. Right. Go for it. Yeah. It's, right. It's <laughs> hey, no, I have a tank. I can play yeah. my music as loud as I want. I'm just so I mean you did kind of I mean you do answer it's not like you did kind of you do it's like fuel is a problem with those fucking things yeah oh yeah you got to siphon that shit out I mean they can run on just about anything but you got to find a gas station you got to have waypoints right. otherwise okay. you're not making it from Fort Knox to Northern Virginia so then that's I mean <laughs> you, you mentioned like so if it's over Kansas City Junction or whatever it'll take out Canada and, and Mexico like so are the cartels coming to help in the sequel <sighs> <laughs> maybe you can throw See? those fuckers because who's more who's more violent and probably has vehicles that would survive that shit than the fucking yeah. cartel or the taliban the taliban would probably be a great oh. one to have help out you know because they hate everybody like they're not anyone's ally they're just <laughs> they don't care they I mean, don't care i don't think the cartels would care at that point either yeah i mean you turn the cartel no. and the taliban into the fucking heroes i mean I mean, you saw what I did with just the just the prisoners from the Virginia Correctional Facility that were all gangbangers, right? That was fucked up. Yeah, I'm glad they died. Well, sorry if you didn't read the book, but yeah, that's good. I enjoyed that tank ambush scene. It played out very visually. I love that. That was oh oh yeah yeah. See (laughs) see see being being I I never served. I was never in combat, but I have watched band of brothers in 13 hours like four hundred thousand times really dude. so i mean i was on it i was like this is how you do an l ambush yeah, we do this we do that you know all this kind of stuff you hit the first car and then machine gunner at the end hits yeah. the back car you work your way in it's i mean all good, like i said it, with the exception of it being fucking marine tanks fine whatever but for never for never being in the military like it's a you did a really damn good job Thank you. I'm not lying because, like I said, I've suffered through enough bullshit with Hollywood. Like that, it's a it's a damn good book, man. Like, thank it you. Does, and it's very visual. Like I said, you could. I had a I had a bunch of stupid little versions that because when I read, I visualize everything. Yeah. Like, I, I I've always done this. I'm always very visual. Okay, um, continue your thought, but come back. I'm I want to come back to that. So okay. continue going. Yeah. So everything I read, especially starting with the opening scene where I, I joked around like, oh, after the first chapter, I could see this is going to be a love story, right? It's pretty brutal, but it's very right, visual yeah. and it plays out. It plays out like a movie. Like you could see this being a movie, but halfway through the book, like the way I was seeing it as a movie, I didn't like because I was getting a very like, you know how 300 was? Yeah. And it would show the comic shit and then it would go into yeah. the actual, like I was seeing a lot of that. I was like, no, I don't want it that way. I want it to be like an actual fucking movie because it, it kept throwing me back in a way to like the walking dead with a fucking tank but without zombies like that's what right. i was seeing like because at some point you already know this you're writing it but i mean i don't know how many it's been only what a two days probably since that shit goes off the way the book's going on but eventually right. 
I mean, there's no on switch to throw back on. So I don't know where you're taking this to, but this is about to get pretty fucking shitty for people. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily, um, first, let me come back to your thought there. Yeah. So, so seeing it visually, I wanted the, the books that I love the most are the ones that don't tell me the story. They give me the pieces and let me fill it in. You fill it. Yeah. Right. So the books that tell the story are the books where I have to read through paragraphs in a chapter, just a litany of paragraphs describing this and describing that and all this kind of stuff. Right. Some of my favorite books are like that, though. Robert Jordan, Wheel of Time, all that kind of stuff. But his the, he wrote 14 books and the, the last two were by Brian Sanderson because he died trying to finish this thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he would describe buttons on dresses and how people brush their teeth with a stick and some, I don't know. I don't need all that. Yeah. Even though reading his books was very visual. I really see it the way he wanted me to see it, but you don't have to write like that. You don't necessarily want to read like that. I want everybody to take away from what I write their own version of it. Yeah. Right. Cause I think that's cool. I give you, that's why I don't describe everybody in, 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 ad nauseum detail, right? right? I let everybody just kind of, and through dialogue, people learn these characters. I want back and forth. I want pithy dialogue. And, you come and I want most of the most of the words to be dialogue or at least half of them, yeah. right? Because dialogue's funny. You learn a lot about the characters that way. And that was another thing I thought you did. Well, like nobody's, you had very different, you could tell, at least to me, it seemed like, like I could tell that I felt like you were describing people that you definitely pulled from. Yeah. showed like their individual like the like you know the way you talk to your kids and the way i talk to my kids is always going to be very different right right but you could see how you interjected the dialogue and like you could tell that there was it felt warm and it felt God, what's the word it felt unique to them like it didn't seem like you were forcing some shit and it's like oh everyone talks like no it used it it kind of seemed like it was their own shit like it was theirs like that was right. how that family was or or that interaction with mother and dad or daughter or whatever it was like that stuff was really fucking cool yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've I've gotten some comments about, you know, especially one of my editors, my development editor was like, you've got a lot of like, like challenging character types in here. You might want to get a diversity editor or diversity reader to read this. And I was like, I don't think so. How about not? No. How about not? No, no. I don't want somebody to tell me how their culture is because everyone in that culture, first, I have a history. There's no homogeny of culture. Right. (laughs) And plus, if you've ever lived even five minutes in Northern Virginia, all of those characters are here. All of those characters sit in my coffee shop every day. Exactly. Right. And the gay couple, I have a gay uncle. And I would spend um, nights down at his gay dance club up in the booth doing lights while he did <laughs> this drinking for free. I didn't care. It was awesome, man. I, I got yeah. drunk for free, right? And it was just amazing. So I wanted to pay homage. And by the way, Christopher the Pug is my uncle's, one of his best friends, dog from 30 years ago. And that yeah, dog, exactly. I, I remember exactly. to this day, is neurotic, barky, drooly, and would run from everybody. And I shit you not, that's that's what I want. And then you bring the teenagers into it, especially Alex, yeah. who really wants that dog to love her, yep. right? Yeah. And that dog wants nothing to do with her, right? <laughs> 
And I just, I, I, I start out with some of these characters and going back to that thing where I paint just a little bit of a character. And then I'm like, oh, wait, but maybe that character now in this scene will do this right. because that seems reasonable to me, but I didn't, I've just discovered that. I had no idea when I started writing that bonfire scene that Alex was going to jump into the bush bushes to try and get fucking dog, yeah. the fucking dog and call him fat body. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Right. See, that's also what's cool for you, though, I would assume is in those you get to become those people and you can kind of just do whatever the fuck you would at that. Like you can. Right. You, know, you can act, you know, as if Eddie, our good friend, Eddie McClintock was here, like you can act. These people. <laughs> but that is yeah. true, though, because I mean, it gives you a chance to put yourself in a different position or. Right. Tend to be someone else and take it to wherever you want. And then at that point, you're just it's it's artistic creativity. It is artistic creativity. <laughs> and. And so, so, so my themes for this whole thing was, was, was brothers, you know, we got the yeah. twin brothers, yeah. right. And we got parents trying to protect their kids and the kids eventually proving mostly to be stronger than the parents thought they would be. Right. Because the last thing I wanted was some teenager getting into trouble and adults having to go save them because yeah. that 24 shit with Kiefer Sutherland pissed me <laughs> off. It's already been done. Yeah. My <laughs> daughter would never. <laughs> insert herself into my business and go get in trouble where I had to go save her. That's, that's not something that would happen. I I stopped watching 24 after the first season. That was stupid. I couldn't watch it anyway. Cause I was like, all right, I get the, the idea was cool, but I tried watching it on my last deployment in 2015. And I was just like, all right, yeah. the idea of every hour is cool, but it's like, all right, let's wrap this fucking day up. This is, I'm exactly. <laughs> exactly. <But> anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so I forgot where I was going with all that. Yeah, it does. I mean, so where we were was like the character development, right? But another thing that I liked um, to kind of bring it back to the the tank shit and the Marines and yeah. all, you know, whether it's the Marines or the fucking army or, you know, the other branches that don't really matter as much um, <laughs> is I felt you did a great <laughs> job of, of highlighting the fact that there's so many different fucking cultures and people that make up those and they all kind of come together for something right right so with these you're talking about like what are they're vietnamese is that what they are the twin brothers yeah right so yeah the vietnamese americans so they were born in america but yeah. their parents were, were were south vietnamese yeah i mean like i go to my office now like in not to get into what i do but you know i have a guy from korea you know they're all americans but guy from korea a mexican two filipinos right like that's yeah. that that's my team and, and and everyone's got a different perspective and brings everything differently but literally and i thought you did a good job of showing this too is like for the most part you know you talk about in some of the more serious moments like where they're trying to go inspect the, or check out the fucking church because you got clowns going like, right but they're giving each other shit in the moment and of course like, that's they are 100 dead on fucking accurate because you I do know. this shit like people some people who who and i know you said you never served but you did a great job of highlighting this stuff because there's nothing more to an outsider probably that's fucked up in the moment than military humor. No, uh, I mean, I think it's great. In those moments because right. you, you, levity makes everything better. You and, have to, it's, yeah. it, it's like laughing at a funeral. It's, it's gallows humor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes it real. It, it makes it, yeah. it, it helps. Right. And a perfect case in point. Cause, cause while I didn't serve, I did have, I, I do have quite a few um, uh, bros from high school that, I still hang out with to this day. And one of them who was the best man at my wedding, who, who, uh, who lives just a couple miles from me with his, uh, God bless him. They, they tried to have a girl and they had four boys and then they oh, stopped oh, shit. and they're all like him. So <laughs> good on him. Um, but so much is, is wrapped up into 
because we went to college together, went to high school together and everything. I mean, we could have whole conversations just with movie quotes, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Just with movie quotes. <laughs> and so when, when, when my kids were, were, were little, we went over to his house, we had this big picnic and whatnot, and the kids were running around and my middle kid ran around him and ran right smack dab into his, his credenza, right? And popped up a hole right here in his forehead, like a third eye. And that shit just bled everywhere. Eventually the paramedics had to come and we had to take him to the, or my wife, cause I was trashed. My wife had to take him to the <laughs> emergency room, but, but it, waiting for right, me to drop that down. But, me, but. but after all the, all the ladies had pressure on it and all that kind of stuff, my buddy comes over and he's like, he looks down at the floor. It's a pile of blood down there. And he goes, pick up that blood. It's for Caddyshack. I'm like, he's like, is that too soon? I was like, no, nah, man, that's, that's perfect. Put that on, man. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, no, I get the banter. I, I mean, you just got to have that. And, and, and especially in a tank crew, because you don't know who you're going to get, right? You don't know who you're going to get to pair with. You don't get to choose probably. Oh, you don't, you there's no draft. There. You know, you don't get to draft. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So, so in, in Alice, you've got an African-American gunner who has a degree in, in electrical engineering and mathematics or something. And he just wanted to do his thing, his part. Right. This is all legit. This is all hundred percent fucking right? real. Like this shit is yeah. real. And then you got two bumpkins, driver and loader who. Also real. Also real. <laughs> and then you got, got on Nguyen, who yeah. is, who is the, the gunny and, 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 and he's the commander. So, I mean, it's going to switch up a little bit in the sequel. But there's going to be more tank. There's going to be going much to be more, more tank. Good. Well, good because now Alice is drawn onto it because Alex paints that onto there, which is, you know, I look back at the cover of the book. That's pretty fucking cool. Well, she paints something else on the LAV. Oh yeah, sequel. Oh, yeah, because so. Buford, you know, Buford hates clowns. He had an incident. He did. He had an incident. Yeah. I had an incident. <laughs> I had an incident with the clowns. You know, the whole time you were talking about the clowns, like the first time you write about the clowns, like there's one in the road. The first thing that pops into my head is not the old one from it, but the new Pennywise. Because mm -hmm. the new it, especially it too, I thought Pennywise just fucking fucks with me. Like I, I hate I, clowns. Yeah. Um, well, just I thought the actor who played Pennywise is just was awesome. Incredible. Like and he's, he's absolutely just perfect for that. And then I've, I watched him in a, a regular movie and I can't take him seriously. It's nothing, right? Like, poor guy. Right. I'm like, it's like trying to watch the clown. Heath, Come on, quick. Right. It's like trying to watch Heath Ledger and something. And like, no, all I yeah, see is no, the Joker. He's, got, he's because, a fucking Joker. That's what he right. is. Yeah. That's all he is. But yeah, man, the, oh man, the clowns, I, they were so therapeutic. So and, random. So what was, what was the, like, they just. Because so, it's surreal because that's what gets people, right? I had to put clowns in there somewhere doing horrible shit because it's so random in the middle of, in the middle of the apocalypse, right? Who would think that there's a clown in the middle of the road in the middle of the night next to a church, right? That doesn't happen, right? So, and then, <laughs> and then there was this lady that I worked with at the company that shall not be named, who, when, when she was just standing around, would weave from side to side, right? Yeah. <laughs> she just weave from side to side. That's, that's what the clown is that, doing. We that, decided, and that's where yeah, I got that's, that. You know what? They, they spent way too much time figuring out what they were going to do. Because when I see that shit, like I would have just been too scared at that point. And we're just killing it anyway. Right. Right. If, you, if I see a clown in the middle of the fucking, what I think is now the dawn of the apocalypse swaying back and forth, just fucking kill it. We'll, right. we'll, we'll figure this shit out. <laughs> yeah, but see, but see, don't you think, don't, uh, 
And, and I went back and forth on this because there's another version of that scene where other things happen. I'll yeah. explain it to you. Um, but it, it's so fresh. It's like two days, right? So do they really know what's going on? Do they have the whole story? Is the power going to come no. back? And they're still no. kind of in denial, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, um, so, so yeah, they hesitate a little bit. Which I think is probably human, but but with a good sergeant, yeah, maybe I mean, they, I'm talking out my ass here, but that's maybe true. they light it up. However, I was told by a Marine that read that scene. Um because and I changed it. So when they bring the dude out from the church who's shot and is bleeding out, they got the tourniquet on him, right? Before I rewrote it, on tells his the gunny tells his guys to step back and he and he triple taps him in the chest for the church. And the Marine that, that read it first was like, Marines are not executioners. Yeah. And she, she kind of brought the whole thing down for me a little bit. And I was like, mm. you know, you're right. Marines aren't executioners and they shouldn't be doing that, even though there's rage involved and all that stuff. So what does he do? I just changed it. He just takes off the tourniquet, hands it back to the medic. So you're going to need this. Yeah. For somebody else. I, and I let them bleed was, out. I, you know, to, to hear you tell that part, it, I think the only thing that we would say is um, probably in the way that they were still operating under is that you said, like, there's a cloud of uncertainty. They don't know if the shit's normal wherever they're headed. Maybe it is, right? They just came right. from where they came from. I would probably say once, you know, everyone's realized that, hey, this shit is fucked, then yeah, we're probably, which we're shooting clowns. Maybe they kind of <laughs> later in the book when it gets to the, to the to the ambush scene <laughs> which i thought yeah was i also i i did like how you kind of like when when joey the 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 i guess yeah. the astronaut you know she's right. going to step back and then she steps back in charge because of that that scene how you know on is it on and i read it on on, on. Okay, so on you know he kind of loses his his way a bit and rather than focusing on the overall mission, you kind of, right. Some stupid shit happens there, which I thought was good because I can see that totally taking place too. Like you're just, you're caught up in the moment sometimes and you, right. can't, you forget about the big picture. And, and you know what? I, I, I tried really hard to make her really in charge and, and my copy editor. So I had a development editor that helped me because yeah. it's first time writer. I had no idea what I was doing. Right. And the, the development editor really helped me with, with the story and cutting out thousands and thousands of words, right? Copy editor, I found she was former Air Force, did satellite tracking, deployed to Iraq and, and did a bunch of stuff over there. So she, she gets it. Mm -hmm. She loved the story. She came back and she was like, she was brutal with me. I, I have no ego in this anymore because she ripped it all out of me. <laughs> she's a sergeant she's just like dude nobody gives a shit that his hands are so huge anymore you say that like ten thousand times nobody gives a shit like find a different adverb or, or adjective. adjective yeah, yeah, yeah. seriously yeah, that's funny. and <laughs> and also she 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 comes back and, and she doesn't say well she doesn't sugarcoat says well you know joey she's a commander she's a lieutenant commander she she doesn't necessarily need to tell everybody she's a lieutenant commander she comes back and she's like dude what the fuck just have her yell at people. Don't have her give them her resume every freaking yeah, no, time yeah, she starts, right? Yeah. Right. And so I got really good feedback from these people. They kind of ripped it out of me. Yeah. You know, a bunch. No, that's good so, though. That, that, I mean, because imagine yeah. how shitty it would have been if you never changed it. Oh, yeah. Then totally. you would just get a bunch of negative people just being like, you know, totally. that's not fucking real. That's why I said like, 
Right. I, I don't know how many changes or iterations you went through, but it, <laughs> it reads fucking good, man. Like it's it's legit. It's tight. That's why it, I kept. It's, that's why I stopped. I couldn't stop reading. That's great. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So my copy editor, I I overwrote the crap out of it. Um, so it came in at 103,000 words, which is the final length. Um, and it was 135,000 words. The final first draft was 135,000 words. And she said, you don't need any of this bullshit. This is all for you. You wrote this because you like to hear yourself, right? Here's all this shit. You <laughs> get rid of this shit. Right. I was like, Oh my God. Okay. I overwrote it. Okay. I, I, I learned really hard quickly the quick way that if it's not moving the story forward, it doesn't matter to the reader. It just yeah. doesn't matter in the end. So I had to make a decision. Do I want to be a verbose writer and put all these details in that whatever, or do I want it to be really tight and snappy and move along and short, shortish chapters that people could digest easily. And I, I went with that part and I, I think it's working. You know, because everybody seems like it. They read it really quickly. So you got 103,000 words in the first one. Where are you at on the sequel? How many words you got so far? I am, I am three quarters of the way there. Oh, okay. Do you have a, do you have a, a like a window? You're looking to have it I'm, out? I'm, I'm, well, window this wise. Year? Oh, yeah. This year. Well, well, so there are, there are some things that the Twitter goobers that bug me every day don't, don't realize. Um, and this, this might shatter their dreams, but I did, but I did. <laughs> they made it this far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really at this point, they think they're in charge, but really I am. <laughs> so, and, 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 and to that point, really department of defenses, because I held a clearance for 20 years. Ah, I signed the paper. Yeah. Um, so basically what happens is um, a, a lot of writers that held clearances. I, I know several people from three letter agencies that just published books. And when I said, how long did that take you to get it cleared? They said, cleared? I just put it out there. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I do it the right way because I don't yeah. want to have all these books out there and then have DOD come back and say, nope, wait, pull it back. So yeah. basically the Pentagon has a, a, a office of pre-publication security review that me and Brad Thor and Jack Carr and all those idiots need to put our books into. How many people you think are in that fucking office? What's the budget on that? Quite a few, yeah. Quite a few, and and guess what? Jack Carr, he came in at five months for his review, and a bunch of his shit was redacted for the first book. Mine came in at six months, so nobody gets favorites, right? That's good. So, um, hopefully, it'll be quicker this time. I did tell them on the email when I sent it to them. I said, "All your shits on Google. I just made up the rest." <laughs> Seriously, I found out all this shit on Google. I can find everything. On, on just which I did notice, like when you listed off the like you have that that chapter opening about all the targeted bases that got you know hit. You yeah. hit a lot of training bases, man. Like, what's up? You hit all the fucking training bases. Yeah. No, I know. I think it's funny. Like, you know, poor poor Joe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Poor Joe just sitting there, like in the barracks, hating life. Got fire guard in an hour. Next thing you know, he's vaporized. He's not. He's vaporized. Anymore. Yeah, but 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 if you also notice that they're they're very strategic nuclear bases. Yeah. No. And then the other thing I wanted to point out that I noticed. Um, so you, you go, you know, you Russia, China, Iran, North Korea. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you focus on the group there in Virginia, but no mention of any government officials at this point, like the president. I mentioned that. the president and his name is President Anderson. He's in there. Oh, oh really? What the fuck? Yeah. Where was that at? 
I don't know. I forget. Shit. I haven't I read go the thing in look. two years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I, don't even, I don't even know who these people are anymore. Yeah. So no, um, I, so I, I, like I said, just curious to see like where, where this is going next, because I know okay, there's, so, there's a part in there about, you know, the, the U S tries to retaliate, but you've got some folks from China that made it to they couldn't. So I'm seeing where. We're... Right. So, so there's, there's, there's a little play there. What I didn't want was any politics in my book. I hate that shit. If you want politics, plenty of stuff. You go to Twitter, go watch MSNBC or Fox or whatever. whatever. I don't care. But it also doesn't fucking matter when we get down to this level. Right. Shouldn't you would hope it wouldn't, but if it does, it's probably not getting taken seriously at that point. Because at that point, it's just survival and it hopefully survival for your specific nation. Right. Maybe, right? Yeah. yeah. Now the party doesn't fucking matter. I think the party of winning. Right, exactly. (laughs) And and we need to get back to that. Um, we, we need so, a good so, war that we're a lot. Never mind. I don't know. Oh, no, no. Oh, God. We don't. It's going to so, happen. <laughs> I know. I know. God damn. It's going to be here. Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. I'm not editing so, anything. So people are whatever. so stupid. People are so stupid today. Um, there are some things that I've done in the sequel. One, um, my, my, my good friend, Airborne Heel, if you know him on yeah, Twitter. I, I, yeah, he does. He's a good, he seems okay. like good. He went to Farmageddon. Last year, we finally got to hook up. He's okay. a great dude. I started talking to him. He's the one that hooked me up with Shepard. Um, yeah. And because uh, he and Shepard are bros. Yeah, uh, going on the, great guy. I had him on I know. He's awesome. He's yeah. yeah. Well, you know how great he is. So I just DM'd him on the Twitters like uh, uh, 18 months ago and said, hey, because DMs are open. Why? Yeah. Right. Um, Do you want to be the hero in my book? No, 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 no. I was just like, Hey, I think, I think my book, you might be interested in. Do you, do you want to sign copies? Sent me back a total nobody nut job on the internet, his home address in the outer banks. And I'm just like, okay. And I sent it to him and then he started tweeting it down. And then he's like, dude, call me. And I called him and he talked my ear off about it for like an hour He's right? the nicest guy in the world. He is just the He's best guy awesome. ever, right? Yeah. He, I, I mean, just the realest guy ever. He um, loves our section. Like he's just he he he, he knows does. not everybody's stable, but for the most part, <laughs> he, <laughs> he understands. Right. You know, he's had enough soldiers who probably always weren't there, but right. You know, he gets it. He's right? platoon daddy. It's platoon he, daddy shepherd. He is. He is platoon daddy shepherd. <laughs> and and Larry. I and Larry. I only follow him now for Larry. Yeah. I mean, shit. I'm the best part guy. was when he was on, he, I asked him like oh, about the dogs. He's like, you know what, Eric, people don't realize I only adopt old dogs because I want to make sure I can outrun them. <laughs> <laughs> on those So legs? they can't escape. Holy right? crap. Like, they can't run away because I'm going to catch them. <laughs> so I do this thing in, 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 in the sequel and I had to figure out how to do it. And it was fairly easy because me and Airborne Heel have talked about this. <laughs> This is our fallback is, is the Outer Banks and we'll blow the bridge. Nobody can get to us and we'll be the warlords out there with Shepard and blah, 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 and Larry and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so I had, to, I had to work those three knuckleheads in. Live Tracks is the third one. He's the one that has the boat that he and that Shepard and Ever, Airborne Heel go out on. Oh, my God, these three. So, so They're all legit in the sequel. They are seen with Larry <laughs> on the beach. From a helicopter, because my Scottish astronaut is like, <laughs> oh, that's right. That... He only flies helicopters. Got it. Nice. Is, he he looks down there. He sees these guys, and I kind of describe them loosely. He's like, I know that guy. 
because he's SBS and Terry was was Green Beret, so they probably crossed paths. <laughs> of course, Terry's <laughs> on Gutfeld and has his own show and whatnot. So he's like, so uh, so yeah. So I I wrote in a line where where he says, I thought he'd be wearing leather pants, but. <laughs> So it's just Did a brief tweet that, though? Did he pull his phone out from the fucking foil and the, the, no. the tweet out? I thought he'd be wearing leather pants. I hope this no. tweet makes it. No, <laughs> no but I, I, dude, there's because so many people have requested to be killed in the sequel <laughs> on Twitter. I mean, seriously, I have a list of people. I have to go back through my DMs to find out who helped me with this scene. Hey, if with you want to my... have like a, a, a rogue broadcaster, that's me doing podcasts for no reason, fucking throw it in there, man. It'd be... <laughs> right. It's just like in, uh, it's just like in Starship Troopers where the guys out there with the front, <laughs> front line troops reporting and then he turns around and the bugs right there and kills him. Yeah. It'd yeah. be great. I don't mind. Yeah. Or I'll just die from a bourbon overdose. Oh, do, first well, thing I'd be doing in this is like, get, how quickly can I get to Kentucky to start raiding distilleries? Oh my God. Do you, do you, do you know that I had to put, because Shepard lit me up so bad last year on my eggnog hating, because I hate eggnog. What? I do. Okay. I had to, <laughs> I turned right around and I wrote that scene in the book. Where these guys eggnog, are like you had take, an eggnog take, scene? Taking a break, drinking it is eggnog Christmas. by the tank. I it mean... is Christmas. They got eggnog. It's going bad. It's in a cart and they're pouring it in. They got some bourbon and Fuck they're drinking man. eggnog. And then Alex, probably teenager, probably the Russian the tank is that could be fuel for the tank actually sure well, it could, it could. On anything. <laughs> the Russian teenager walks by grabs the bottle of Jack Daniels and keeps walking hell yeah and, and calls them pussies in Russian <laughs> very Russian because she is very broken at this stage of the sequel. yeah I mean both of her parents are dead both of her known her parents real dad's dead her real dad's dead she doesn't Don't know even where know. real mom is yet though oh but mom's coming mom's <laughs> Mom's coming and mom's, mom's, mom's. Well, good, because like I said, Ivan didn't really get a good fucking story, you know? No, I mean, and mom's mom's going to find out Ivan's dead and mom's going to be a little pissed. Oh, Gail's in for it. Yeah, I'm trying to work out Is how to going to be like a, a wrestling match between Joey and Ivan's wife? Oh, no, I don't. I don't think that's realistic. I don't. No, not at know. all. But I mean, why not? Um, <laughs> I'm yeah, curious as how her leg's going to heal at this point because we don't have hospitals, right? Oh no, but there's probably going to heal all fucked up because she's not no, going to be able to. No, but there's a doctor who reset it. I mean, she got reset in 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 oh, Kazakhstan, right. the doctor, yeah. and then so that she still got half the cast on, and then there's the doctor that comes and kind of puts Jabad back together and whatnot. But all is well because we are now going underground. So. I just love the fucking the stealing of Boris's jet. I thought that was great. Like, you know, that plan came so quickly that I was just like, this is going to be either really bad or really fucking or really. Bad. But that's how <laughs> shit happens in the real world. Like somebody has an idea and everybody's like, fuck it. You got the fucking private jet full of fucking AKs and handguns. Like, that's how I would want my private jet to be. You know, right? I mean? like, that's really good. And you know what else I wanted to ask you about? Because this guy really pissed me off was fucking Lonnie. Like, got fucking oh. Lonnie pissed me off so much. And I wouldn't be so pissed off if Lonnie wasn't literally pulled out of all of our fucking security <laughs> training, right? Right. Easily compromised. Like he's the biggest fucking dork. Like he's got, right. he's financially compromised. Yeah. He, he thinks an attractive fucking woman's going to really love him because he's such a nice guy. All that shit. And I'm just like, it gets me thinking to the bigger picture though. <clears throat> right. I think you, you kind of touch on it, but of all the shit that comes into our country, can't inspect all of it like and that's why i go all the way back to my original question yeah probably an hour ago is like 
you started talking about it, but how has this not been done yet? How, how one of my things was, how do I make, because I'm a war gamer and I run, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, uh, war game exercises for executives down to ops, down to cyber, down to physical security and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so if you tell me it can't be done, I will war game it out and show you the possibilities or the plausible scenarios where it could be done. Right. Exactly. Because it's just a failure of imagination at that point, yeah, 9-11. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, so I was trying to figure out, okay, people keep saying, oh, the United States can never be invaded. Bullshit, we're being invaded right now. Right. <laughs> and so I started doing some research. I did a lot of research, history major, do research yeah. um, on, on how many Chinese tourists we have each year and how many uh, overstay Students. their students and how many overstay their visas and how many disappear and how many, you know, never go back. There's hundreds of thousands. We have, we have at least at any given time, three, at least three combat cores of Chinese males in this country at any given time. So roughly 60,000, 60, 70, 80,000 plus their, their wives, their girlfriends. Their and you families. do touch on this, which I thought was great because <clears throat> I think my, without even going into the scenarios you're describing, but my whole thing is like, yeah, fucking invade. Watch what happens. Cause by the time you make it past the coast, you're never going to get past any of the fucking people in this country. Cause everyone's got right. guns, but you make a good point. All they have to do is get here and then they can purchase the firearms or have someone purchase them. They've for been here for you know, 20, 30 years, right? People yeah. have gotten their naturalized citizenship. So these people are out buying guns putting them in containers. Yeah. They don't need to risk bringing in loads of weapons. Right. They can, they can do it here. legally. They, they, they save that for the, for the parts yeah, of their that's plan. A, that's, a like, a, that's a hell of a point. How that do you, how do you stop intercontinental ballistic missiles? Right. I, I had to figure out plausibly how you stop that, that response. Right. And that's where fucking Lonnie comes in. That's where fucking Lonnie comes in with the, uh, with the, with the, with the, what's it called? I, it's a, a CAT scan machines. Yeah, just... CAT scan machines, right? No, they're fucking SA 300s, right? And or or S 300s. Um, and so you bring those in and you station them around our three missile fields. And when the first ones go up, you take them out in launch phase because they're going the slowest, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then is that accurate though? Would you would you be would you would you be able to? accurately target those fucking things you think? oh yeah i did all the math yeah i did the math so if you're close enough and you have an s300 s400 or our patriot or, or something like that mm. those ballistic missiles aren't going fast enough to, to escape the the, the anti-aircraft missiles or anti-missile missiles <laughs> go much faster much quicker than the ballistic missile does right so if you're close enough you can take them out in first stage that's fucking insane. I did. I did the math on the on the altitude, the speed on both missiles are, are Minuteman three and that it's plausible. Right. So and I just needed those first missiles to be destroyed so that we so that the U.S. would stop shooting them because something was happening. They weren't going right. They, they, they were being hit, so they're not going to waste anymore. Now, how do you stop the submarines? Because right, we yeah. obviously have submarines yeah. that can launch ballistic missiles. Yeah. There are four. And that's how it ends because they hit a bunch of places. They hit Hawaii, hit Australia, East Coast, West Coast, Maine, um, Washington State. Um, those are the big arrays. 
those are the the VLF VLF arrays that can bounce those things everywhere. Now we have backup. We have Takamo aircraft that used to be always up, but now they're not. So I kind of left that one a little loosey goosey. Yeah, I, but but I still need it. I still need to because you <laughs> probably do this all night. However, why why has no one affect? Why has no one done this shit yet? Ah, so in Iran, in their in their battle plan policy against the United States, they are not allowed to by the Quran. They can't like nuke us, right? Even though. Who knows? They probably would. Um, they definitely nuke Israel. But but because of our wicked ways, right, they could EMP us, okay? And because we are so reliant on our wicked technology and all that stuff, we would all die. 90% of us would die in a year, right? So I don't know why it hasn't happened yet because realistically, with all of the satellites that us, Russia, China, Israel... You know, Japan, China, we've all put up there. There's not supposed to be nukes in space. I don't believe that. We saw space cowboys. We know they're up there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we've had this X craft floating around up there that just came back for two years doing shit. Right. Something's going on up there. Now, I think we're very far ahead of the rest. We're very far ahead. I, I, I do. I think space is the place that we are that far ahead. That and but probably even are you? But what about what? I mean, because we're still so reliant upon Russia to get to the ISS, and you I'm not talking about that... the ISS. I'm talking about satellite technology, okay, and space, other space technology, not the ISS. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 hamstrung ourselves on that a long yeah. time ago. We we who do we rely on now? Elon Musk and SpaceX. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a South African. An African American. An African American. <laughs> See, so 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 yeah. So I don't know why it hasn't happened, but 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 they have had an EMP commission since before 9/11, right? And they tried to that that report came out like right before 9/11 or right after it, and there was supposed to be this big reveal and this big report that Congress would get behind and we would do things. Right. Um, but then 9-11 overshadowed it. Right. And this whole report, the EMP commission, you can look it up. Um, uh, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry is the guy that, that, that runs it. Um, it's, it's so ex- existential to us yeah. or to anybody that undergoes that. Um, just with the grid going down, even if it's not an EMP, if Russia hacks us and takes our grid down, because we supplied too many tanks to freaking Ukraine, which why, why do we care about Ukraine? I don't know. Um, losing the grid itself would kill tens of millions of Americans in weeks with no power. You got the hospitals, no power. You got um, the, the, no refrigeration. The diabetics would die. You know, there's a cascading effect there. And yeah. then hygiene, dysentery, the diseases would, would, would start and then you're really going downhill fast, right? So society really is on a knife edge. What I like to tell people is that, I mean, there's a meme out there that, 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 that says it more bluntly than, than this, but we've only lived like this, like we live today for the last 30 or 40 years. 
yep. humanity. Before that, it was all struggle. It was war, struggle, strife, famine, disease, Isn't pestilence. Crazy. Yeah. And now we've gotten so used to it the last 30, 40 years, right? When it happens, when we go back to that way, oh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a shit show. Well, that's what I say. like <clears throat> and and I and I've I've reaffirmed this belief about two or three years ago when I was in a World War II era, an actual submarine used during World War II. Oh, wow. It was in, uh, it's, it's there still permanently in San Francisco. If you go to the wharf area in San Francisco, you can go down on this fucking submarine. You just walk through that mm. and you look at the technology. Right. It's fucking 80 years old almost, dude. And it just, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me <laughs> looking at it then. Or, right. So, but I bring that up only because I feel like we were so fucking advanced right? World War II and then probably peaking if you believe we went to the moon. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so oh, I totally but, believe we went to the moon. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, know, I was in Iraq and I, <laughs> Capricorn walked on one. I walked on that moon dust. I'm just saying, <laughs> but no, like, and, and then, you know, I've, I was fortunate enough to grow up in Orlando and I've been to the space center and I've seen the Saturn fucking rocket, just right. how massive that fucking thing is. Um, that's going back to that, just the, the, the technology that was involved just to get us from 1960s to the fucking moon. Right. Right. Honestly, now I tie that into what you're saying. Like, yeah, we've lived like this for the last 30, 40 years. Is that fucking better? Because I got a phone with literally everything in human history right here. I can look up at, but I don't. Right. <laughs> I feel like we've advanced so much to the point where we're going backwards and our peak as a society, at least as Western society, was probably the 50s and maybe the mid 60s, because like the shit we could do right. just by still using math. Right. Are doing it ourselves, not relying on computers to do it. Oh, like, yeah. That was the peak of our right. civilization. I feel right. like it totally was. Yeah. And we've I, just since Vietnam started, we've just gone, we we may have some cool ass fucking weapons technology now, but oh, we've yeah. gone the opposite fucking direction. I still it still gets me when you talk about doing all that stuff, getting people to the moon and doing all that math calculations. Have you watched the film Hidden Gems by mm. the ladies, mm. the black ladies that actually did oh, all the I did, math? Yeah, I didn't actually see for, it. Yeah. for that. Yeah, you yeah. should watch that, dude, okay. because they're called calculators. That's why we call the machines calculators, because they would sit in the basement of NASA or wherever using or calculating all of the math. Watch that. Yeah, I'm going to watch that this week. Right? Oh, my God. It, it is just insane what they did. Well, and they did it by hand, dude. Yeah. It, and so I was just, what was it? This was December. I was in Chicago and I can't remember. I'm in the museum right across from Soldier Field in Chicago with my daughter. And there's this section on um, the Apollo program. And it's talking about when fucking what's his name gets stuck up there during Apollo 13. Right. Just forget how they managed to bring the fucking them home. Them in that fucking moment. Right. Spinning. Well, I don't know how we're going to fucking fix this. There, there, there's, there's no nine one one. Like, right. How do I know, bro? You gotta, you gotta MacGyver you gotta that, shit. that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> and they do. Right. They fucking do. Like just the re and they got all these little like, you know, vignettes up there. I'm like, this is what happened at this point. And, you know, and also this wasn't over like the course of a minute, like, oh, we got it back. No, this was hours. No. Right. Just this is where Jim Lovell shits his pants. State of mind you had to have been in, going through oh. that, 
Like, and I get yeah. it. They, they tested the, and there's a reason we had that movie, the right stuff. Like I get right. it. Like it literally was finding who had the right stuff to go through this because look, there's special forces. And then there's these motherfuckers who did right. that shit. Like that right. is that look, I, I, I suffer from hubris. Like most people in this world, <laughs> I couldn't do that shit. No, I couldn't. I'd be like, no. I got to get out of here. It's been fun. And then when you actually see the fucking like there's a replica of that little capsule. Couldn't yeah. be me, man. No. I, I have a full-size truck and feel like I'm in, I'm like claustrophobic in that. Okay. Yeah, so let, never mind. It's me with a couple of dudes. It, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Like that was, and that's why I go like society, like, man, we fucking peaked. Those were a different level of human. Right. And that's why, and I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back to Elon Musk. And I have a point about this. He wants to go to the moon. He thinks I like I do. He wants to go to Mars. Hey, Mars, right? Yeah, yeah, Mars, Mars. Mars. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's all M's. So Mongol Moon, Mongol Mars, whatever. <laughs> cool. So, so he wants to go there because he thinks the future of humanity is out there, right? Yep. And I agree. Yep. Now, I've been saying this also a long time, not exactly that way because I don't have billions of dollars. I can't build rockets, but or I make Twitter. the, but I, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I make the analogy, right? We've We've been put here. We've grown out of here, right? We have all of this resource here, right? That we're just using to feed ourselves and go about our daily lives, right? Mm -hmm. But we have all the resources here. We've proven it to get up there and to get to moon and to get into orbit and to go that next step, right? Mm -hmm. So I equate it to kids growing up, right? My house is the earth, right? I want my kids to keep their parts of my house clean, right? Keep my planet clean. Yeah, pick up after yourself. Don't pollute if you can, you know, uh, whatever. Climate is gonna change. There's nothing, it is- it is it's changing. The, it is the height- <laughs> It's happening. It is the height of human hubris and arrogance yeah. to think that we, one, we may have contributed a little bit to it changing, but for us to think that we can actually change it back. Yeah. That's when there's 8 billion of us and growing on this planet. No, it's not. So, so basically what I, what I'm saying is I want my kids in their clean room and I teach them to keep it clean, to move out someday, to go to another house, find another planet. This is a starter planet. We're lucky enough to be here. We need to get our freaking asses in gear together and coordinate and get out or the rich people are going to do it without the rest of us. And that's fine too, because as long as the human, I mean, it won't be you and me, trust me. Um, but as long <laughs> as the human race gets out there yeah. and does, it does the star Wars shit. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Like go and do it. That, that's exciting. I think that right? was, I don't know if it was the first or the second time Elon Musk was on Rogan. I remember listening to this like a year and a half ago, but he's talking about, we already know it's kind of used to said it, but we already know like the fossil fuel and using that as our primary energy source. He's like, we're staring at this problem that we know is a problem. It's going to run out and we're doing nothing to fix it. We know we can't rely on fossil fuels forever. We know this. We've known it for a very long, we've known it for decades. We're not doing anything about it. Right. And he's talking about what it's going to take to get to Mars. And this is where it really starts to hurt your fucking head. Right. Because like, (laughs) 
got these orbiting ellipses and all this shit, and it just has to align perfectly in order to get there without it take. It just it's again math that again uh, whatever. Right. I kind of want to talk about what you were just saying. Like I feel like maybe the reason we're not in that mindset is because you look at human history. Look what it took just to get to the fucking the new world. Right. You had yeah. this pioneer mentality or this this mindset of people wondering, hey, what else is out there? What? Well, now we know. And we're like, eh, eh, do I really want to start over? Oh, look, Netflix. Like there's right. <laughs> so maybe people don't because the stocks crash. So much. But I don't think there's a lot of people, man, that are willing to just suck it up for years on a right. fucking ship just to land on a planet where there's no fucking gas station and 24 hour strip mall. Right. I mean, you gotta, you there's gotta, there, man. you gotta have the right stuff. <laughs> you, you, you gotta pick a crew and put them on this big ass ship and make it habitable for a while with more fucking people. Right. You have to like, but, we've got 8 billion, but how many are willing to just fucking forego all that? Right. I mean, I don't know. You've got to offer them some hope of getting back. Do right? I have Twitter? Oh uh, yeah, it's fifteen minutes delayed. <laughs> Seriously, how I mean, long I watched the movie Martian. When are the we going to figure There's out a way to not have a delay like that? Like that's why that's I said physics, like, I've dude. Been I don't do physics. <laughs> and I, like I say, I go into the Kennedy Space Center many times over the course of my life, and then taking my daughter. And and so there's this thing they do in, at the Kennedy Space Center. It's an IMAX, but it's about the Hubble, the Hubble telescope, right? Right. And it's like, it's showing you on this massive IMAX screen, like this is inside a nebula cloud and you can't fucking conceptualize that because right. it's like, and then here on the screen is you. And then over here where we're going to propel you, that just took 29 light years. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. And you're dead pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interstellar. My daughter was just talking about, she wanted to watch Interstellar again. You uh, that word like every day up there was like seven years on like, that's, I watched it once that, that blew my mind. And I, that's it. I can only do that movie once. Yeah. Like there's, but, but that's where I kind of, I come back to like, we need some really special human beings that are not selfish. Number one, right. That right. actually think about greater mankind and humanity. Right. Very few and far in between. Yep. Just looking at our country, let alone the rest of the world. I don't know. That's yeah. a lot of that stuff's just a foreign concept to their, <laughs> that's not much. Like, if I mean, for the most part, it's just war down here, buddy. Focused here, like, <laughs> just some cultures around the world where they really only care about themselves, okay? Right. And their people, or their tribe, or their last name, whatever. Right. So yeah, and then having to know that you need to work with all of these other people because there's just not enough smart people here. You need right. smart people from everywhere, which we've kind of done over the years with the ISS, right? You realize there's. Yeah. I don't, I don't come to a logical conclusion on this because like I said, I'm not, I'm, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. Right. Yeah. And there's there, even if you find, I mean, you, you've got to do it in waves and the first wave is going to have to be really special people. Like you said, because and they're, they're probably, probably going to die. They're probably going to die up there. But then what does but that do to the, the fucking, the but next they're going to have to take enough stuff to pre-position for the larger group, the next group to survive. And then they brought enough stuff for the next group that's larger. And then you start having the pods and you start having solar power. You start having the other things. And then you know what, you know how we ruin it? We enter, we enter, we, we, uh, we introduce politics. Oh yeah. (laughs) And that's how we ruin it all. Everything gone. 
gone. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can do great things and then we ruin it. I, I mean, that's the way we, that's, that's the way we work. Humans, right? Right. It's totally it's, is. It totally is. Flawed. And, and I think, I think the coming year, I mean, you follow all these guys, you follow probably Javier Goya, you had him yeah, on the show, yeah, right? Yeah. And then man, man integrated huntsman, um, the logistics king, who was just on Jesse Kelly for the love of God, right? Yeah. right? <laughs> Good's doing good things. All, right. all grown up. Um, <laughs> grown up. And, and, and so uh, a bunch of other guys, you know, so, so I do risk assessments and the latest one I did was uh, for my boss was, was global a global risk assessment and it's three risks, it's food, supply chains, and the US dollar. Those three risks in the next year, are, this, this world is not gonna look like it does today in a year. Why? Well, everything comes down to food, right? Always has. Yeah. Wars, are, wars are fought over food, resources, water. Which you may have already touched on in Mongol Moon. Right, exactly. <laughs> Right. So I didn't know, but, uh, uh, you know, the premise for, for Mongol Moon, the plan that is codenamed Mongol Moon from the Chinese is because they have a horrible wheat harvest yeah. for years in a row. Um, and lo and behold, this well, past year. Our, the, is that our kind of leveling factor right now is that they just have too many people? Do you think? Or is that going to force them to extremes? They, they have to do a couple of things. One, their winter wheat har harvest, like ours, was, was catastrophic. Ours was only 30% good, right? And theirs was probably like that as well, right? So they have a lot of people. And yeah. they have half the arable land that the United States does mm -hmm. and three times the people. Right. Right. And their arable land and their water suck. Yeah. Their water is all polluted. Right. Yeah. So, right. Exactly. But unless we need them to get to the next planet and then, hey, we need, right. <laughs> right? We need some volunteers. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> they have bought four or five times the amount of rice and grains from us in the last year that they normally do in history. Do we have to sell it to them? We don't, but we do because it's a free market. Yeah. No. And it's market forces. It's market driven. Right. So, hi. Hey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, so food's going to be one of them. Plus Russia and Belarus, China, Russia, Belarus specifically supply the West and Southeast Asia and in Africa um, with a majority of their fertilizer. And they've embargoed that. Yeah. Right. One, because we sanction the crap out of Russia. Right. So why would they give us fertilizer? Two, they need the fertilizer to feed their own people. Right. So I was waiting for this last shoe to drop. We've talked about wheat and corn on the on, on the interwebs, on Twitter, um, wheat, corn, uh, soybeans. They're all going skyrocketing prices and and the yields are going to be horrible. And and Belarus or, or uh, Ukraine can't get their current wheat crop, which is sitting in warehouses out through the Black Sea to North Africa, which is where they put most of it, right? Which is where they export most of it. So the Arab Spring was caused by food prices initially in Tunisia and it rolled to the east into, into Egypt and then you had the Arab Spring, right? So that's already, so the World Food Index by the UN was 139 
at the height of the Arab Spring, one, 139%. Today, it's 160. That's the price of food. 60% delta to what we need. No, no, no. no the world price index, the world food price index is how costly food is the world over. The UN comes out with this every year okay, or, or every month, right? And that, that score usually in normal times is around 80%, right? Mm-hmm. During the Arab Spring, it, it at the beginning was 116 and then shot up to 139. And that's why it was just too expensive. The world pr- food price index was too expensive. People couldn't afford the food, right? Yeah. There wasn't a shortage so much as there, it was just expensive, yeah. right? Right. But now there's a shortage and it shot up to 160. So it's 30% or 20% more now than it was at the height of the Arab Spring in North Africa. So something's got to give because 70% of the wheat that Egypt uses for their bread comes from Ukraine. And Ukraine ain't shitting nothing this year, not through the Black Sea. So people are going to die. And it's going to start already in Peru, Sri Lanka. Um, Vietnam's already cut back on their projections for rice. So that was the last grain that I was watching for because rice is really hardy. I see what and you did there. Grain. Got it. Grain. grain. Yeah. Um, so all of that's going to start tumbling down, man. It's just going to be a shit show. And supply chains aren't going to help because now Shanghai's got all of the ships sitting outside of Tarbet because they locked down. Largest yep. port in the world. Oh, no, no. That's, very, that's a good point because that ties into something that I'm eventually transitioning to professionally. But yeah. That, yes. And, and that, why is that not being covered? Like it why, is. I it mean, is it's in certain spots, but <clears throat> but we're still we're still talking about Elon Musk buying Twitter. I know, I know, and they're not talking about uh, the yen either, the Bank of Japan, because the yen's collapsing. Mm. Yeah, the the yen is collapsing. Um, Shanghai is on lockdown. There's no ships going in or out, and so our West Coast ports are really being relieved. But then when Shanghai opens back up and all those ships come all at once, it's going to happen all over again. And, and our we supply chain money there. Right. And yeah. And we're going to have whatever. We're going to have 200 ships sitting off the coast this time. So yeah, it's going to be a shit show, dude. Do you think this is definitive or do you think this is just worst case scenario? Well, I mean, the first person to say what I was thinking back when we shut the economy down for COVID was Jesse Kelly. I hate to give him credit, but he did. He's like, you don't shut the economy down for anything, right? You have to keep it going. Otherwise you destroy everything. And you the definitely don't want is, to give a, a former Marine credit for anything. Right. But that's where you but, really went wrong. But, so but he's, you, just don't, you just don't shut the economy down. You don't right. shut a, a, a multi-trillion no, dollar economy I'd down. Say, so, I feel like I've been kind of, you know, you're in Virginia, so you can give me like a Virginia perspective. But um, so let me tell you how this went down in the East Bay slash North Bay area of where I live, right? Yeah. The Bay area. Okay. All right. February of 2020, I get uh, through a, a charitable organization invitation to a season ticket opening event for the Giants. Right. On field. Okay. On my Instagram, go back and look. February, whatever it was, there's me like, <laughs> hey, probably nice. a week after that, before anyone knew what the actual symptoms were, right? I had COVID. Okay. Really? I had symptoms other than I had no sense of taste and no sense of smell for a week. 
I couldn't get tested because that was not a symptom that they associated with COVID. So they wouldn't test me. So wow. I, you know, I was just like, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, whatever. So this is the end of February where this is going on. Okay. And um, I go out every night and I grill and I drink my bourbon and I couldn't drink. I couldn't smell or taste the bourbon. So at this point I was getting a little upset. <laughs> it went away. Right. Early March. March 8th, I still remember, March 8th of 2020, I sent my office home because Solano County, where I worked, shut down. The other aspect isn't really important other than the fact that the entire, let's say the rest of the organization that I'm a part of decided to shut down two days later, okay? (laughs) From that point on, shit got really weird. Travis Air Force Base, right there in Solano County. All the fucking planes coming to the United States from Asia had to come through Travis and quarantine the fucking Delta breeze Inn, which is the hotel of note on Travis air force base was right. a quarantine camp. They put a fucking giant fence around this thing. You saw people, if you went onto the base, they would, they would have, it was like a massive prison. Like they had their little walk out wow. times where they sit there with their mask on and they walk with their hands behind their back. Like, yeah, I'm getting my little daily exercise. This went on for fucking months at Travis air force base. Wow. Okay. Put that in your fucking story. Anyway. <laughs> um, and then like at this point, the rest of the country's just gone to shit. Right. Cause you gotta remember this started here. This started in San Francisco. Yeah. This started, oh, yeah. For the most part, this started here. Right. right. And I remember just out of pure boredom, um, May of 2020, uh, I was living in Fairfield at the time, which is probably an hour max to San Francisco, yeah. minutes, an hour max, probably. It took me 24 minutes to drive into San Francisco. Not a soul on the road, bro. I wow. just want to see the city. I was just like, let me go. I just want to go see some. I wanted to cross the Bay Bridge. Yeah. See the views and the sights of driving. One of the most beautiful things that to me is driving across the Bay Bridge or the Golden Gate Bridge, depending where you're at, going into San Francisco. It's fucking beautiful. And just being there on Main Street when you come off the Bay Bridge and literally knowing that every time I've ever been there, I just sit there with a like a, a fake gun to my head wanting to pull the trigger because of the traffic. And right. at this point, there is nobody. There's nobody. Wow. I've got a car around. I drove into the city in 24 minutes from fucking Fairfield. It's like that zombie movie, 28 Days Later. We're, we're weird. Like, I drove up. Gone. I even posted pictures of this. I think it's on Instagram as well. Uh, I posted a picture. I went. I drove right down to Oracle Park where the Giants play. This is my favorite team. I'm sitting right here. I'm watching the right. side. And I just sat there. And I'm just like, I got out. And I started walking around. I'm like, nothing's open. There's nobody on the streets. Nothing. Yeah, nothing that- absolutely nothing. No homeless. No crazy psycho mental patients. Nobody, nobody's shooting a heroin underneath the Bay Bridge. It's just all fu- <gasps> was there. And it was so fucking creepy and weird. And here's for fear of the floof. Here's my kitty. What's up, Frank? Hey, look at that. Yeah, Frank's here now. But yeah, man, like that was a fucking very weird moment. And when you talk about don't shut down the economy. Right. Nothing was open, man. Like nothing. Yeah. The first thing I think that reopened, you talk about coffee shops, was just like, hey, we'll reopen this weird way of giving you Starbucks coffee. Like that was the first thing in Fairfield that opened. God damn. It was just, it was just fucking weird. And that's why I said, I don't know how it, it spread East across the rest of the country, but I'm not sure. Like, how did it hit Virginia? Like when did you first? Well, this is- yeah. So, so it hit and it started being weird around the office. Right. Cause at the time I worked for a defense contractor and we we're in 
we're in the headquarters building and, and we're having these meetings, right. But everybody's bringing their, their wipes and we're wiping the table <laughs> down, we're wiping the chairs because we're stupid. Right. Yeah. And we're just wiping everything down. Save your life. Right? right. And so, and so my boss there went to the new company and this is, this is, the start of the reason why she she brought me along to the new company, right? Because a week, a week before, um, like all these companies were going totally, totally remote, like Twitter, totally remote, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, she was like, do you, do you really think that we're going to do this? I don't think we're going to do this. There's no way that we can take all this stuff and go remote, right? And I was like, dude, we're going remote and I'm going remote this week. It was a Monday. And I said, I bet next week they announced that this company is going remote. And that Friday they did. That Friday, the CEO came out and said, we are now going to be remote. And that's when I had just published Mongol Moon, right? Yeah, and, yeah good timing. Like I said, right? good timing award. And, and so normally when you publish a book like that and leave all these loose ends, you start writing that sequel, right? Well, I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know what COVID was, right? I thought I had it because in January- Wait, is COVID that, in the sequel? No, no, God, no, no, I, no. I stayed away from anything cyber and anything disease related pretty much except for a nasty flu. So, um, because that's, oh, wow. sounds like COVID. Yeah, right. Exactly. So at that point, I just started working from home. My coffee shop where I write at was closed. They closed down. So I couldn't write anyway. So I'm sitting at home working on my laptop in front of the TV, getting fat, you know, just, what, what am I doing here? I can't, we're all going to die because they say COVID is going to kill us all because it's Chinese, <laughs> it's the red, red, red death, right? So, so why write a sequel? So I didn't start the sequel for like six months until my editor, my new editor was like, uh, dude, yeah, we're not all going to die. Somebody's going to read your shit. I'm like, okay, fine, all right. Right, so he kicked me in the ass. I started writing it and, and, then, and then Airborne Heel, he's the one that really gave me the, the inspiration to do it because he was really bummed that like Fort Bragg wasn't in there and there wasn't more army. You hit Fort Bragg. Do you what? Hit. Fort Bragg got wiped out. I know he was very upset about that, what? but he wanted, uh, he was like, there's, there, there's too many Marines. There's, there's too, too many Marines, not enough army, kind of like you. And he's a, he was 82nd airborne. So he was a, he was a jumper. Yeah. Key word is was, cause they ain't left. They're all dead. No, right. <laughs> well, so at that point I had this epiphany. How do I pull all this shit together in the sequel? Mm -hmm. boom and so i wrote those chapters and i sent it to him and he was like oh my god dude this is the greatest shit ever and i <laughs> i talked to a bunch of jumpers right and they're telling me their anecdotal stuff and this is where i really get into it right because these guys i ask them for advice i ask them how did you do it how did this happen and they tell me these stories right and i'm like i have I, I feel like i almost have a duty to write these stories into the like the dialogue and whatnot. So I do that because these guys are telling me these funny ass stories, and I got to do. I got to put it in the book. Do right? you have the uh, Do you have the 173rd Airborne Brigade out in Vicenza in this book? No, you should because they're right there in Italy. Yeah, I know, but Italy. I mean, like they can go there and cause some fucking trouble for Russia real quick or Iran. They're right there. They're the QRF for fucking Northern Europe. What's that yours? What's that your Q? Was that no, your I, I, I spent three weeks there. It's, it's really okay. <laughs> no, I went the best time for me ever in my life was an annual training I did in Vicenza. Right. And we show up 
And the 173rd Airborne Brigade, the entire brigade, the entire base left a month prior to us showing up to go to Afghanistan. So we were just there for three weeks for annual training. <laughs> Three-day work weeks and four-day weekends, three weeks in a row. It was fucking amazing. All I did was travel around. You basically became Italian. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Like <laughs> I, I had my buddy who was from Puerto Rico, and I, we learned real quick that Spanish is just very similar to to Italian. So we were able to get along. That was when I actually had my favorite fucking encounter with some Italian women, my buddy peak black guy. We went out, we met up these uh, Italian women at a fucking club, hung out with them for three weeks. And it was the funniest shit ever. She knew we were getting ready to leave. Didn't speak a lick of English, uh, but she studied this phrase to say to him. And I may have already said this on the podcast before. It doesn't fucking matter. Cause it's still funny. Um, his name was peak. Love him. Biggest, brightest smile in the world. Right. And uh, he's sitting there, he's smiling, laughing it up with his girl. And she, she, as we're getting ready to leave the coffee shop to go to the airport, she says to him in this broken ass English, my dream is to have baby with American black boy. <laughs> and peak at that moment with his big, bright smile turns into like, he looks as white as I do. And he's just like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> i'm out i got a plane this is great uh, yeah but you know i think in hindsight you know what was i i was 20 i think i just turned 26 at the moment i think now when i look back i was like he probably should have because she was hot and she was a blonde italian with green eyes wow and he was holy like cow six foot three super athletic dude with this beautiful bright smile like they probably would have made some amazing children that'd have been a hell of a year it would have. Right? <laughs> They'd probably be making their major league debut at this point or whatever sport. You know, this was 2006. Maybe Holy shit. 15 years old, 14 years old, 15, 15, 16. Yeah. But no, that didn't happen. But that was my, I loved Italy. Italy was great. It was a fun time. Yeah, we were there. Jet, I'd love to go back when it wasn't so fucking cold. Yeah, uh, we went in the summer, which was cool. I mean, not, not totally, but um, <laughs> took the family and my niece to Rome. And we just stayed in Rome, got a bed and breakfast. Uh, actually not bad right we rented an apartment um this amazing building just it was weird because it was the safest city i've ever been in and that's yeah. weird right because i wouldn't walk the alley the back alleys of dc oh or any sense. american city right <laughs> yeah that's right? a better way any but, american city how about we just right? say that any american but major any city. american city but but in rome we we would go out for dinner to one of these piazzas and have dinner and wine and all that kind of stuff. And then we'd walk this winding way through all these back alleys. I swear to God, we came upon, I have some amazing pictures. We came upon this, this fresco that was like a thousand years old that they were just restoring. And the guys had, they just leave their tools there overnight, but they have a light on it. And it's a thousand year old fresco that they're just restoring. And it's in a back alley. And it just it just goes back to our we're place. We're not going to make it that long here, man, in America. No, we're, we're no, not. because it was so beautiful. It was so safe. Yeah. We saw we saw cops chasing panhandlers, but other than that, we were good to go. And our tour guide, uh, he had just dropped off James Hetfield before he picked us up. <laughs> and I was like, you know "Am I sitting? Was? Am I sitting?" He's like, "James sat right there. It was great." That's funny. Like, I have some great stories about, about Italy. I really do. I, it was a very interesting three weeks that we were there, but no, it, it is funny that you talk about the, the safety. Um, my favorite part of <laughs> Italy was probably we had gotten there a week after there was some random like beaching of squid. Oh, that's odd. Yeah. And so Vicenza wasn't that far from Venice. It's about 45 minutes from the airport in Venice. So yeah. Um, 
all the Italian restaurants, well, that's a really stupid thing to say. All, <laughs> all of the restaurants in this area and along the coast were just like, well, what do we do with all this fucking squid that's just washed up? For like the first week we were there, it was free calamari with every meal. Really? Go back and look That's this amazing. Day, January of 2006. Like this is just like, yeah, restaurants are just giving this shit away. Like we went to these places and it's just everywhere we went. It's like, here you go. Like, for that, it's like, it doesn't matter. It's here. And uh, you know, the one thing that I really loved about Italy and I'm way more like, people understand that this is a podcast with bourbon and that's what fuels it. And that's my main thing, but I love red wine. Like uh, I fucking oh, yeah. love wine. You know, my wife's a partner in a wine label. Like I know yeah. entirely too much about wine, but what I loved about Italy was wine is with every meal. Right. And it was like a Euro for a fucking right. liter. Yeah. And then you go to the grocery stores and I brought tons of bottles home for my parents. And it's like, two, three liter, three Euro for fucking like good wine. Not even like, you know, right. the knockoff fucking cupcake shit you see at your grocery store. That's in, right. from Australia. That's got a bunch of additives. in it. Like, no, this is authentic fucking wine from the local winery here in Vicenza. Right. Hey, oh, five euros for fucking bottles. And you, you like that part of, and I think I don't, you know, well, you, you touched on France and Scotland. You didn't really get into that part, but I just feel like, that is the West still, right? You know, we yeah. think of the West as just the United States, but no, that is Europe. And there's so much history and food and wine and, and just the culture that is built into their. And then I think back on one of the, the hardest countries hit during this COVID bullshit and the economy shutdowns, and it was Italy. Right. Remember? Italy? Oh, yeah, totally. And I just. I wanted to really kind of buy into the fact like, yeah, this is just dumb and this is just some government overreach. But I really wondered why it was affecting everyone. Italy affected, got, got hit really hard. They did. Really hard. Or, or they got controlled really hard. One of the two. That's, what it, like, that's what's so hard, I think, for people like myself who I'm willing to understand it. But you got to tell me why. There were so many that, Chinese. There's no why. There's so much Chinese influence in, in Rome and, and, and all through the COVID thing. I mean, they had all this Chinese stuff coming in, all the, all the masks, all the other stuff, the, 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 the oh, ventilators. Yeah. They can't fucking feed their people. Why do we give a fuck? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But the Chinese are, are getting involved in all these governments, right? So that's where this whole thing shifts, right? I honest, I honestly believe Putin and Xi have been repaid. I'm going to take a, 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 a side trip here. No, Putin let's go. Xi, let's go down the, let's fucking, let's head Putin, out. Russia and China, before we both kind of pass out, Russia and China <laughs> um, have been repatriating their gold for the last 10 years, right? So I think something... They didn't know what exactly, but something was planned, right? But Russia couldn't do what they're doing now, pivoting all of their all of their exports to the east and to other countries away from Europe and the US, unless they had a good reason. So Ukraine's invaded and it's not going well though, is it? Dementia grandpa says, we're going to just sanction everything. We're going to cut them off from SWIFT. We're going to do this. And you know, the, the ruble crashed. Mm -hmm. But then like 
Javier Goya said they synthetically repegged the ruble to their gold stores and their commodities. So now the ruble is back up even better to where it was before he invaded Ukraine. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we sanctioned them, but they're the gas station and the fertilizer plant for the globe. Right. And that hurts us. So, so they're either, our leaders are either stupid or purposeful in doing what they're doing. You don't want and to both is bad. Both is bad. I'd, I'd rather they be stupid, which is what I'd probably lean to. Because purposeful doesn't, I don't see how purposeful is self-serving. It is if you want like to get to. Elite until someone decides you're not and decides to fucking take everything you've got. You know what I mean? That, that, let, let, that's why I say, let, let's go to the worst case scenario that plays out in your book. Like, you're not an elite anymore. There's no hiding for you. Right. right. There's no such thing as an elite in that world. There isn't. Right. If well, I want exactly. to, I'm going to. Exactly. But I'm going to kill you and I'm going to take what you have. Like, that's just a reality that people are going to have to face that life expectancy is about to reduce very quickly for everyone. Really? Yeah. Everyone. For for everyone. However, however, but you. The elites, because who would be a better target? Yeah. But you got to think about it this, right? Yes. The elites are better targets, but right now they're so rich. They've got their bunkers. They've got their security teams. They've got their blah, 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 what, Those whatever. Those teams are easily right. compromised because of they, course need to, they, are. they need to be fucking secure as well. Right? They, they're the first ones that would turn on them. Right? That's why right. I laugh at all of that. Like That's right. why it's so hard for me to, to go with purposeful. Like purposeful, knowing who's there. I don't know. Like You, you know this. You've oh, done a it's whole not Biden. Of- Biden doesn't know where he is. He doesn't even know he's president. No, he doesn't. And, and there's, there's somebody behind the whole thing. No, I won't make fun of the man at this point because he reminds me of my grandfather on the. I got you. Line. You know what I mean? Like it's that's cool. I see that. I see that, and I, I feel. But I also, you know, my grandfather when he was there, he was my grandfather. He wasn't the fucking president right. of the United States. It's a big right. Business. Exactly. Right. So yeah, and I already went down on Twitter like two months ago. Like the entire like next 16 people in the line of secession that is not exactly inspiring from no. perspective i don't care what party you are but right i want someone to go go look it up google it the line of secession tell me if you feel comfortable it's not happy it ain't and then you know i posted a picture of like his security council like oh my god these five or six individuals fuck off um but anyway and so i say that when it comes down to purposeful i'm like i don't I can't, I, I, maybe I can be convinced, but on the surface, you can't tell me this is purposeful because it makes no fucking sense. It makes no fucking, it makes no sense, except that it, there has to be plausible deniability, right? There, there, there is what I think there's no coordination, but there's a loose understanding that we're going to do this and you're going to do this and this is going to happen and all these things. There is a digital central bank digital currency mm-hmm. that has been talked about in the EU, in the US, in Japan, in South Korea, China, wherever, right? Once they do that and they get rid of the paper dollar, which is fiat, it's just a piece of paper anyway. Um, the only thing that keeps that up is confidence and trust. Once confidence and trust is gone, that dollar is worthless, right? Plus, we've printed trillions of them over the last few years. So basic economics. The more you have of something, the less it's worth. Right. It's debasement of the currency. So when they debase the currency enough, they're going to switch to the central to, to the central bank digital dollar. And that is going to be how they control every aspect of life. 
right? Because just like the truckers in Canada, with the flip of a switch, they went and took their bank accounts and took all their money and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, this, so, this only works if there's compliance, right? Right. So, so, so that brings me to my next thing, right? How do you make a bunch of millions of Americans, many of whom have been trained really well in insurgency and asymmetric warfare over the last 20 years mm-hmm. in the real world, in Iraq and Afghanistan, right? And they're here now. I mean, there's millions, right? Yeah, literally. That's... Right? <laughs> Seriously. Even um, if they took the two-week crash course while mobilizing, they still got it. They still got it, right? Yeah. So, so how do you get rid of those people? How do you isolate? And, and uh, I mean, isolating those people is a really dark thing. It's a really dark hole to go down, right? Yeah. So, so there has to be some other thing, right? Maybe it's millions of people coming across the southern border, right? Nobody knows who these people are. I'm just, they're coming from all the countries now. It's not just the- Yeah, no, this is like a war game perspective. So I want to hear it. Right, Right? it's it's, it's not just Nicaragua, Costa Rica, or or El Salvador and Honduras. It's not even Mexico. They're Russians. Mm -hmm. There's Russians coming across. There's Nigerians. There's there's Congolese. Right. There's, there's <laughs> Afghans, there's Chinese, for the love of God, right. That are coming across. Everybody's trying to get here, but who are all the people, right? I don't see a lot of kids and I don't see a lot of women. I see a lot of fighting age males. Now in Mongol moon, you have a lot of people that have been here for a long time, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They have storage units. How many storage units facilities oh, i mean self-storage facilities part of clay that's one of the foundation of clay's book of fucking right? you know, prairie or not prairie fire the, the fucking one before it yeah concrete jungle concrete jungle right? that's all about hey <laughs> raid the storage units <laughs> right right but but even even more I, I mean you have large warehouses the people and industrial complexes no idea that, what's in there no idea right no idea nobody has any idea and it could be stocked these some of these places could be stocked to the hilt but, with stuff right and all you need, all you need to create chaos in this country is two or three well-placed teams, well-equipped teams in a city or several cities at the same time that just let loose, man. Yeah, but I, I get that. And then that's what kind of reduces me back to my my point where I've like, hey, fucking come ahead and invade and watch what happens because there's so many fucking people here who right. are armed. I mean, you already know the numbers. I don't have to quote them. Like, Right. Like, this is a very large fucking country when it comes to landmass. Yeah, it does. And 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 we have the Appalachian Mountains and nobody wants to go in there. No, and and you know what? We talk about electric vehicles, <laughs> man. Now I don't know if you followed this shit. I put it up on Twitter back in December, but so I drove um it was the second year in a row I made this trip from <clears throat> Napa, where I live, to my daughter in Mantino, Illinois. Right. Wow. So it okay. takes me the uh, first stop was Reno. Second stop was Salt Lake City. Third stop was Cheyenne. Fourth was Omaha. And then I went into Illinois. Okay. When I left Salt Lake City and I was approaching Cheyenne about the halfway to that point, and this is December, right? Right. Apparently, I, I, you know, because the year prior was so smooth, I was just like, oh, fuck it. Let's just go. I'm on the I-80, right? The, the interstate highway I-80. Um, right. And I, I just crossed into Wyoming at this point and all of a sudden, probably 
two or three miles into to Wyoming, like the whole highway's fucking like it it it's shut down. They've got fucking barriers coming down, and there's a line of traffic, and you come up and you have to turn around and go back, and there's state troopers, and I'm like. He's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm fucking going to Illinois. He's like, well, not today. And I was like, <laughs> that Why? was the first point. That was the first part. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, cool. I drive forward because the two cars in front of me, they go forward, they go between the barriers and they just take off. And I'm like, fuck it. I'll do that. Because I, I don't, it, the worst part is I'm driving across the fucking country with my daughter's ferret. Like that's my whole purpose of driving is <laughs> ferret okay fucking ferrets going nuts and it's fuck uh, the ferrets don't travel well anyway so i was like the first two cars went no issue they go through the barrier and like onto the highway i'm like fuck it i'm gonna do it so i do it next 45 miles not a car around in sight i'm like oh sweet shit worked what's up i didn't have to turn around now i'm further into wyoming and the same shit starts to come right now i start seeing thousands of vehicles oh. on the side of the road semi trucks everything and i'm just like i don't know what the fucking problem is i'm searching on like the department of transportation websites apparently there was an accident and they have to shut the highways down because that's the only way to get you know first responder vehicles without traffic right. to do that there's a lot of snow but it wasn't snowing like there's no blizzard none of that shit it must have already hit before i got there so anyway, now I try to do this again. It took me two hours to go a mile to this little off ramp to where I'm like, let me follow my GPS. And I go down the side road and the <laughs> state trooper pulls his truck or his car in front of me. He's like, what are you fucking doing? And I'm like, I, uh, you know, I'm just trying to get, and he's like, you need to get on the highway and turn around. I'm like, well, how do I get to here? He's like, don't know, don't care, but you're not going this way. And I was like, fuck. So I ended up taking like this. Didn't you ask like what happened? Like no. why they shut it down? No. It, what was the point? There's like, you know what I mean? They're, they're, there's no point. You're not getting an answer. You're just getting turned around. Right. So <sighs> I ended up taking like, just before I lost, that was the best part. Now I'm in this area where my signal is about to go out and just, yeah. lost, <laughs> oh, I had like tried and triangulated like a, a workaround because this is a great point. And, and I don't know if you're going to work this into your fucking books or something, but hold on, I'll take a note. shit about paper maps. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. So anyway, like I, I look up, there's a way for me to do like this big giant half circle to bypass everything that I'm no longer allowed to travel on because the highway shut down. Right. Right. And all <laughs> as I'm thinking about this is I had just filled up. So I got a full tank of gas. I'm in a truck. I got 25 gallon tank. I'm good. I make this entire trip, like a three hour loop. I didn't see a single car for three oh, hours, man. One rest stop in the middle of this, like totally random Ooh. fucking place in Wyoming. It's cold as fuck. It's 50 mile an hour gust of wind. Fortunately, it wasn't snowing because I would have really fucked things up. <laughs> back to the whole point of this story, man, is like, if I was in a Tesla, you'd be dead. <laughs> probably right but vehicles can like do people not realize there's the west in this country when it comes to right. the electronic vehicle craze it ain't gonna fucking work man right it's too spread out it's too big comes it's big sky big. yeah like it's huge I, I was in the civilized part of Wyoming. i didn't go up north <laughs> where there's like 
I'm in Cheyenne where they consider that a fucking city. That's not right. a city, but that's like that's like, like four people in a gas station. Right. But but I really <laughs> thought about that in the moment, dude. I thought about that in the moment. Like I couldn't have done what I did with the cargo I had in right. an electric vehicle. It, I electric vehicle is because it's stupid. It's for cities. How it's for are cities they that function normally? Coming, like I said, there were thousands. Like at the, I had covered enough terrain to know that there was a there was thousands of cars on each side that weren't moving and weren't going anywhere. They're right. gas. They can start up and leave when they want to. But you're an electric vehicle, dude. I had a Tesla for a month. I used my buddy's Tesla for a month. I was filling that. I was not filling. I was charging that fucking thing every other day. Right. Overnight, it loses 11% of its fucking charge just by existing. So what the fuck am I going to do if I got to stop in a negative temperatures for 24 hours? What is going to happen? Where but it's I- got that cool screen that you can do things on. Yeah, right. Like Watch movies. You just got to wait for the EMP to hit the wipe that fucking thing out because it's that's, not protected. Elon, that's why I drive a BMW. Bro, protect your fucking vehicles. <laughs> but yeah, like I don't know if they know this, but I get it. They're trying to do it and all, but there's this thing called the West... In the United States, and reality. it's not conducive during the winter months for yeah. electric vehicles. It just right. Like- yeah, no, no, no. It's no, it's not going to work. It's not going to work long term. I mean, unless they build a better solar thing to put on top of cars, and make them go forever, or we get fusion in cars and 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 it's nuclear powered car. I don't know, man. None of that's going to work. We got to get off get the that. rock. Maybe we we got to get off X. We do have to get we do we do have to get off this fucking planet, but we already <laughs> discovered that no one's going to do it because I'm not, you're not. I'm, no. I'm chilling. I'm watching the Giants game right now. Giants are up two nothing. What's up? Uh, yes, is that sports ball? That is sports ball, and I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. The, the only the only way I care about baseball is if I'm watching Moneyball or Major League. You know, Major League is a great one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I finally watched Moneyball again. It's been a while. I watched it when I was a kid, or not a kid, but I think it came out when I was in high school, and I was just like, "Yeah, it's dumb." Then I rewatched it last year, and I was like, "Yeah, it's really dumb. Moneyball is really dumb." And I fuck, and they're actually playing the Oakland Athletics right now, where that started. <laughs> you know, they have ruined the Oakland Athletics franchise like that. That's one of the most historic franchises. They've got like 11 World Series titles. They play in an absolute fucking dump. I actually went to the Coliseum in Oakland for a few games. Because it's Oakland. Oh, my God. It's fucking Oakland, dude. Dude, I took the BART, which is like their train that goes into – like there's literally a stop that drops you in front of the Oakland Coliseum. I felt safer in Iraq. I bet. I did. I ain't going to (laughs) lie. And I had had my my, my people with me. But coming off that train – Going into the Oakland Coliseum, like that is an experience. I'm going to drop some knowledge on you right now because I'm going to talk about, I'm going to tell you why it's going to get really Oaklandy. <laughs> okay. So, so how many people talking about like where this is all headed, right? And I don't know if there's a plan or not by, by secret forces, who knows, who yeah. knows, but it all seems to be going in a bad direction, right? So now we're very interconnected, right? And Russia hasn't really, I mean, they've done pretty persistent cyber attacks, but they've been low level, right? They've taken down some things. They've not taken down some things. They haven't hit our critical infrastructure. They haven't done that. They could, but they haven't. And China could help them. Iran could help them, right? All these things could happen, but it hasn't. Why? Right? We're not that great at defense. Well, that goes back right? to my EMP question to you. Why? Right? Why right? So, so it's all about timing in my head. Right. To do it now would be to jump the gun. You got to wait for the market to naturally crash. You've got to wait for other things to happen. 
And then what then then what I think would be purge night, because it it's gonna it it would lead to that, I think. I truly believe it. Um, how many Americans are on welfare? Just ballpark guess. 30 million? 56 million. Okay. 56 million are on SNAP or EBT. Those are the two biggest. And then there's 5.2 million uh, food insecure seniors. And then there's all of the people that have come across the Southern border in the last few years, which are millions that also receive food benefits, right? Now, they all receive this electronically through SNAP EBT cards, right? You go to the store, you put your SNAP in, you get your stuff, you pay for it, boom, right? So basically they get an allotment each, each month for this food, for this welfare food assistance. Mm -hmm. Well, last month they could pay, they could get five things, right? This summer, they're going to be able to get three things. In the fall, they're going to be able to get one thing because Congress has to pass a, pass a law to raise that stuff, to raise that welfare each month to all these people, right? Now, that system is run by the federal government. Okay. That's inspiring. Some dot gov shit. <laughs> right. So what if right at the right moment, Putin, Xi, the Ayatollahs, whoever, whoever they pick to do it, probably already in there, just goes in and malware wipe, wipes bricks every server they have. Can't bring them back up. Now all those people get nothing. 56 million Americans, white, black, West Virginia, Bronx, LA, Chicago, doesn't matter. Now imagine all those people not having food. I managed the loss of a office in New Orleans during Katrina for the company I worked for. And um, dude, we thought we lost him, but turns out he was a Marine and got in his skiff and went to go save people and didn't tell us. So we accounted for everybody but him. But on his travels, he saw people shot over the smallest stuff. Yep. It 24 hours, dude. Mm -hmm. It's going to be 24 hours. Yeah. And then it's and then it's going to be. Was it, was it, you read the stories that came out of the dome, like. Oh my God. It, it's going to be 24 hours, and it'll be the purge. Really, my only thing I would push back on is like, okay, <clears throat> what about those countries when it happens? What about their people? They got people too. Like this isn't all just like you know. I mean, we're looking at. Russia, if we believe what's playing out, is they're not that fucking good at the whole war thing right now. I, I, I'm, you know, I'd like to say I'm surprised, and I think I am surprised, but we all are. We but, but, but looking back, I think it's kind of like a black swan. If you think about how Russians operate and all the corruption, yeah, yeah, they're never, not going to take care of their tanks. That's why they're never, all rusty and shit. They never came out of the Cold War, right? So, so yeah. There's there there's there would be a counterattack, like, but it wouldn't they, matter here. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, are they that sophisticated? When <clears> the the Russians cyber? Because they haven't even done that in Ukraine. Like we we talk about these Russian cyber farms, but no, they haven't done anything. So why? Oh, no, they 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 crushed you the Ukraine cybers cyber stuff early on, and then they then while they were ddosing them, yeah, I know, and then then while they were ddosing all of the government sites in the slipstream of those cyber attacks, those DDoS attacks, they slipped in destructive, brand new destructive malware 
that goes in and completely wipes, data wipes, destroys data, bricks servers, all that kind of stuff. And that, because Ukraine is connected with a bunch of other countries in Europe, that malware transferred into Europe and now they're dealing with all that stuff. What's so, the solution? Huh? What's the solution? War games have to have solutions, right? They have to have a, an answer key. Like, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? What do we do? We don't have the right leadership. We know that. We don't. No, we got. Don't no, we have good people. Well, let's. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's not believe it's purposeful. So, I mean, there are good people at, at, at various levels, and there are very smart people. No, I, I mean, that is hands good. down, I hands down, we are the best at this, mm. other than maybe the Israelis. But <laughs> it's not big the, enough. To, they're not big but, enough. Yeah, but and 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 herein lies the rub. They're just like Stalin said: quantity has its own quality. The size of China's cyber hacking army that they employ is 135,000 people. But they can't feed them. Well, they can, they, they feed those people. Yeah, they get the food. They get the food. <laughs> they get the they get the uh, right? the, the buffalo chicken MRE. Right? And, and 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 so while while you're looking for an answer, I want to caution against linear thinking, right? Yeah. Everybody can make an argument where A goes to B and this is all the things that can happen and blah, blah, blah. And this is why my argument is the best because it goes along this straight line. But other humans have input to that. Right. Yeah. Right? Exactly. That's where I always come back to. Right. So, so yeah, we'd hit back. If Russia did that to us, the NSA would certainly, and Cybercom would certainly just unleash hell. And you talk about some of these spots in, in, the, uh, in, in the book, and that's why I would just like to think, but, you know, 20 years of doing this shit, I don't take any of it for granted at this point, but you would like to think that there's way more underground and protected from these EMPs than we, we know of, hopefully, right? Because yeah. <laughs> at that point, you're, it's, it's no longer about, it's not a political thing at that point, right? Now you're, right. you're fighting for the preservation of the nation, right? Because that's right. ultimately what your whole fucking job is. Yeah. And I know of several of these spots, one being this one. Oh, uh, what do we got? I can't, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's Raven Rock, Sidar. Okay. Right, that's up in Pennsylvania. I happen to have a neighbor who was high up in the DOD and got to fly a Blackhawk out to Raven Rock. <clears throat> this is a hell of a like, cul-de-sac you live on. Sounds like, like one I know, like... right? And I got an Iran- a new Iranian family right behind me. I mean, seriously, dude. <laughs> Book right write itself. You, you don't even have to do anything. It's right there. I know it's following me. Like everything's like <laughs> happening around me, and it's really wigging me out. Um, but he got to ride a Blackhawk up the up the Potomac, up to uh, up to Raven Rock, and and go inside R. He's like, "Do you want anything? I'm doing this tomorrow." I was like, "Yeah, get me on the Blackhawk, dude. I've never been in a helicopter." He's like, "No, how about a tea? How about a shirt?" I was like, "I can do a shirt. Okay, cool." Right. But, but, but there's a reason why like five, six years ago, they started to move things back into Cheyenne mountain and they yeah. started to upgrade it because they're starting to take the, 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 the cyber EMP yeah, thing true. pretty seriously. Right. So I don't know. I don't have an answer. I am. I always say when I start a war game, I don't do Kobayashi Maru's. There's always, I, I don't do no win scenarios and there's always an answer. But eventually when I do a set of injects and people start making decisions based on my injects of what's happening, I can't see what they're going to do. So if I keep going, I have to end it at some point. 
where there's a amicable ending where they get some satisfaction of solving yeah. something yeah. and I've taught a lesson and we've had some, some action items come out of it. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I don't go that long in these exercises. They're, they're, they're like missile drills, like Ramius, Marco Ramius. Well, you know, because I go back to when I was at a one-star command, when we went to Afghanistan in 2013 and, you know, we mobilized out of North Fort hood and we, we had like this one week long, same type of thing, like a war game exercise where everything, no matter what you do, everything goes to shit. Right. And right. To, um, and there was there, the, the first three days of it was no matter what you do, you're going to fail because you can, you can inject something that right. will guarantee failure. And then the last three days was like, all right, take all those lessons you just did, apply them here and let's show you how you get to success. Right. Hopefully you do that. And then you get validated and you move on, you go do your deployment and you deal with none of the stuff that came up in the war game. <laughs> you're lucky. Right? But I would say you, you should be able to keep injecting failure because it's very fucking pop. Like I get it. Like humans are naturally people who we want to think there's a positive end, right? We want, we want to be naturally positive and right. hope for the best, but man, sometimes you got to fucking plan for the absolute fucking worst, right? That no matter yes. what you do, there's about to be a fucking big ass slap to your face. that says that that didn't fucking work. Now what? Right. So my job with executive teams, with incident command teams, incident response teams, ops, things like that. My job is not so much all that end stuff. It's that, oh my God stuff. It's that holy shit moment. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like, 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 why is it taking us an hour when we're under DDoS attack to get people on a bridge that can solve this? Right. Mm -hmm. So let's get a system in here where I can log in, push a button or get on an app and push a button to a pre preset thing and have a burst notification go to everybody's devices and you hit a button on your phone and you're automatically put into the bridge and it takes 30 seconds, right? So that's, that's what I'm doing, right? So the, we, we start at the oh shit moment and the longer I'm with a company and longer I'm working with the teams, the more I work through these things with them. So we get from the first... I use three, I work in threes, right? Mm -hmm. So the old survival stuff, you can survive three minutes without air, three days without water, three weeks without food, three hours without shelter and bad situation, that, that type of stuff, right? So I also work with that in crisis management. So react, respond, recover. React is the first few minutes, respond is the first few hours, recover is everything else. I focus primarily heavily on the first two, right? Everybody thinks like executives, without exception for the most part, think that they're gonna manage their way out of an active shooter in their building. Yeah. Because they're the executive. Like, no dude, you're gonna fucking burn and die just like everybody else if, if there's a fire, right? I, I, I mean, out. <laughs> it, that shit doesn't work right, right? Yeah. yeah. No, but if you have a, a, a strategic problem or, or, or a reputation problem or a financial problem. Yeah. You can, you have time to do that stuff. Right. But I'm all about repetition, adaptive, making people think, pushing things down to the lowest common denominator. If I have a plan, I want to push that plan down to the lowest person 
to activate the plan and give them all the tools they need so that you're not calling me in the middle of the night to ask permission to activate your plan or do the things you need to do. Dude, I want to have built that in that muscle memory and ingrained it in your brain that I would rather have you act and be wrong than not act and be right. Wake people up. Who gives a shit? Wake them up. How do... I guess my, my question for, for people, because, you know, uh, I did read your bio and I know we didn't cover all of this. Uh, a lot of it's come up, but you, you talk about a few times that you're a history major. So how the fuck did you find yourself in crisis and risk management? How did you stumble into that? Because before I was a history major, I was a law enforcement or administration of justice major. I have an associate's degree in that. Um, but while I was doing that, I was a loss prevention agent at Sears. Back in the day, I had long hair, concert t-shirt. We call that a euphemism. Yeah. (laughs) You were a security guard. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was. I was a security guard. It's one of the best euphemisms in history is loss prevention. Right, right. But back in the day, back in in, uh, 1988, 1989, right before the wall fell, it's story time. Here we go. Sit back. Sit Sit back, back, everyone. This is is coming. I'm going to make you the feature here. Go ahead. Right. So I was working at Sears and Roebuck uh, at Fair Oaks Mall in Fairfax, Virginia. And it was just me and my homie, right? And my homie, uh, this was his uh, moonlighting job, his second job, because during the day, he was a black projects manager for a defense contractor. So he had a clearance. I did not at the time. So we went and he was in what we called the combat information center. It was the room with all the cameras where we watched the whole store. And I was out and it was almost closing time. I was out walking the floors, doing checks. And I happened to walk by uh, uh, the, uh, the craftsman tool section. And I glanced over and I saw this dude just put a wrench in his pocket, picked it up off the thing, put it in his pocket and walked to the back of the back of the section. So I was like, what the heck? Didn't have time. He started walking real fast towards the, uh, towards the exit. So I just followed him out. Um, and when I got out there, I arrested him, put him in handcuffs. It was for a dollar nine wrench, right? So I brought him back in. This is closing time, right? So I brought him back in and I sit him down and he looks like he's like a janitor or something, right? And, and that's fine. We get all types. And I ask him for his, I, I, I un- uncuff him on one, one thing. I cuff him to the chair and I ask him for his wallet. And I start going through the wallet and I pull out a U.S. diplomatic card, and it said CCCP on it. What? <laughs> Is was that Russian, fucking obvious? He was a Russian diplomat. <laughs> he was a janitor at the Soviet embassy oh before God. the wall fell, just like months, months before the wall fell in Berlin, right? And I said, hey, dude, homie, what's that look like to you? I'm kind of thinking it's one thing, hopefully. And he looked at that and said, I'm out of here. Because he didn't want to write a contact report because he had a clearance. So he was like, I'm gone. I don't need that in my life. So he left. He bailed. So what I had to do was he said, this is what you do. Call the state department, call Fairfax County, police, done. So Fairfax County called me back and it wasn't dispatch. It was the sergeant. And the sergeant said, there's a lieutenant and a captain on their way to you right now. And by the way, we've called the State Department, and the State Department is called the FBI. <laughs> Do not let this guy go until the FBI agent gets there. 
And by the way, we've also notified the Soviet embassy. So there's also going to be a, a representative from the Soviet embassy showing up there. I'm, <laughs> I'm 19 and I want to go have beers with right. the homies and I'm stuck <laughs> here. And now I'm in the middle of a, what I'm thinking is about to be an international incident over a dollar nine wrench, craftsman wrench. That's fucking right. Weird. And so I'm waiting, right? The cops aren't showing up. The FBI is not showing up. There's a knock on our door. I open it and I shit you not. Trench coat, slick black, black hair, big black mustache, Russian accent. I am from the Soviet embassy. I hear you have one of our people. <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing, but that's exactly what it was. And I turned and I said, please come in. And I turned and looked at this guy. This guy looked at that guy. The guy I caught went ghost white. So he, he like all the blood drained from him. He was, <laughs> he knew that this was like a done deal. Right. Getting so killed, talk to him, talk to, talk to these people. Finally, cops showed up. I got a Lieutenant. I got a captain, Sergeant, couple patrol cars show up. Right. They're all in there with me. So it's all good. Right. They have to release this guy to the Soviet embassy guy. Right. He doesn't want to go. He looks like he's going to die in the car on the way there. Right. <laughs> But he goes, the cops go, I sit back down, I'm all alone, my homie left me, right? And then there's a knock on the door. So I open the door. You remember the, uh, uh, the Untouchables with, uh, with Sean yeah. Connery, yeah. right? And the guys they had, and the guy, the, 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 the tax investigator, the squirrely looking guy, right? Yeah. That worked with Kevin Costner. Yeah. That's who showed up at my door. And he's <laughs> like, uh, I'm from the FBI. I hear you, you have a prisoner or something. And he doesn't have like, he, he, he's dumpy, right? And he's got this big purse and he's looking around in his purse. And I look in his purse, and he's got a little revolver in his purse. That's where he keeps his gun. And he's pulling out his badge and he's showing it to me. And I'm like, dude, you're like half an hour late. He's like, damn, did they say where they were going? I'm like, they're probably going to the Soviet embassy. He's like, I'm like, look, if, if you're the FBI, uh, you need to quit. <laughs> That's what I was saying in my head. It didn't come out of my mouth, but seriously, <laughs> seriously, this was the strangest shit. And, and, and I've had to put that on every clearance paperwork that I've ever had. So it sounds like what you're saying is like the movies get it all wrong. The movies make it seem like there's this real cat and mouse game going on, but there really isn't. It's just a matter of who shows up first and who's less incompetent. Right. And who has more confidence and balls to just walk in and take American, over the place? That show on FX, the general. I started to, but I don't like that time period. It was the eighties, right? Yeah, yeah. Cold war. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the eighties. I've been through it. I don't need to see that shit. <laughs> like, it, it honestly was. It's really one of my, like, I was very reluctant to watch it when it came out. And then a buddy of mine told me to watch it mm -hmm. after the fact and it already concluded, but it was actually a really great show. The last season I thought may have been a little haphazard because they were trying to tie it up and they, you know, they're back in Russia, but no, like, honestly, I kept thinking of like, when I was reading, you know, Mongol moon, like you start talking about Ivan and, and his wife, like there's a lot of that that was going on. Right. But it's actually, a, no, it, it is like, I would encourage. It's cool. To watch it. It's so cool. It's a really good show. Like, all right. It's actually a really good show. And the way they do the character development, like, it's totally plausible. It's very fucking cool. Really? And, and the way they place them in these States, like I want to say the, the husband is like an insurance 
salesman and I think his wife kind of helps out initially, but then she goes on into something, but it, it's, it's a really good show. It was okay. a really good show. It was really good. FX cool. has done some good shows, man. Like I, I I'm, I'm back rewatching the shield. Do you ever watch that? I haven't gotten into that. Really? No, my wife and I tend to tend to watch um, period pieces. We tend to watch things about history and about kings and queens and and intrigue and, huh, and okay. the Anne Boleyn stuff and all so that you're, all you're, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, it goes back to what I said before we started recording. You're fucking you're an aristocrat. That's what you are. Yeah, an aristocratic yeah. nerd. Yep, pretty much. Because I also like Firefly, shiny. <laughs> That was, but the shield's great because the shield, like I, I was showing this to the wife the other day. Um, I'm on season five now watching it, but it's like, if it wasn't for the shield, I don't think we would have as many of the shows as we have today because they really, totally, they, it was 2002 and they, they made corrupt cops, but who also had this very positive and good side to them. Like normal, they broke the mold of what was, Okay. Norm at the time, and they're like, "No, we're." Because I like that actor. Because I like that actor, the Shield guy. Chickless. Yeah, Yeah. Chickless. I like him. And he's he's like the perfect dick of a good right. I'm sure he's got that face where it's like, I don't know if I like this guy, but I kind of do type of thing. So, but it was a great thing because it like it 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 flipped everything on its head because it's like you could totally see cops having to do really fucked up things to do good things. Right. Which yeah. I think we see play out more. So now I totally think so. I totally. You know think I mean? so. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the one that I have been wanting to watch, but I don't get into the narco stuff. It's breaking bad. I, I've watched it twice. The second time was better than the first time. The only really? thing I have an issue with breaking bad is the, all of the cast with the exception of Walter White. Okay. All of the cast to me is absolutely horrible. Okay. I think, I think they're horribly cast. Because my 16-year-old, I mean, my 16-year-old upstairs was like, yeah, you haven't seen Breaking Bad? I've watched it like three times. I think you you should should watch it. it. I've watched it twice. I I binged it, that same deployment I was talking about in 2015. I binged it when I was at Fort Dix in the middle of the fucking winter, dying from no heat in the (laughs) barracks. That was fun. And I didn't really get it because it had just concluded. That was 2015. So I think it wrapped up in 2013 or something. I was just like, okay. It's a good show, but then I rewatched it during the whole COVID shit like two years right. ago. And I was like, okay, I can really appreciate the acting of it. Like the dude right. Walter White is incredible. Like he's an incredible actor. Yeah, I love him. I love it. that. That would be and the then, only reason I watch it. Yeah. And then even the dude who ends up playing Jesse, like I hate Jesse's character. Like I really fucking hate the fucking junkie who could never get his shit straight. Like I hate right. that. A, I probably hate it because it's, it's, it's accurate. And I've seen it. Right. It's totally accurate. Personal life. Right. But I just hate the fact that he played him so good. <laughs> so just, you know, <laughs> but the fact that he also had this really intelligent side to him. Yeah. And he couldn't just he couldn't just harness that enough. Like he just kept falling back to the worst part of his character. Yeah. I hated that. And maybe that's something you can appreciate from an, an author's perspective. But and then just like some of the other main characters who ended up like the like his brother-in-law was the DEAJ. And I'm like, this guy is a total ripoff of the fucking <laughs> the shield. He's a total ripoff. Right. Like fucking bald DEA. Okay. <laughs> it's Michael Chiklis. You're not him. Right. Um, right. But it, it, it really is a great show. It's, it's written really, really well. And I just love how they ended it. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I Mike. watched the movie that came after it, and I thought the movie sucked. 
between you and my 16 year old son telling me to watch it, I'll probably do it. Yeah, no, so. you bring him out here. We'll talk to him. Fuck it. <laughs> no, he's in bed. He's got a row in the morning. Oh, he's a rower. That's right. Yeah. Ro- and, rowing sucks, man. I know, dude. Well, dude, they all the time. That fucking thing sucks. They do two Ks all the time. Dude, he's out there in the middle of winter in snow with him and his buddies on the on the driveway rowing uh, with with almost nothing on. What's his what do you know what his like fastest 2K row time is? Oh, yeah, it's, it's sub seven. That sucks. Yeah, my fastest ever was 704. Yeah, he's I started he's, to break it down. Like my brother did rowing in college and I played baseball and he did swimming as well. But no, like when you, I, I remember breaking down like my 2K row is like 704. So that means if I did like 1.1 second faster every 500, I would have been sub seven. Mm-hmm. Never came close since. Yeah. All because yeah. of one second per 500. Like it just, it's a fucking mind fuck, man. <laughs> no, but no, I, I would assume totally your fucking six <laughs> kids should probably. Do you know what my son that. did? This is how diabolical he is. So they do their two Ks, right? And they do them in a line. It, it's like a, it's like a thing. They, they know it's coming. They train oh, for yeah. it and they all get in a line and they all have the concept two things. Yeah. Right. Right. But you know, you can, you can switch your, your, your thing from kilometers to miles to yeah, different yeah. settings. Right. Yeah. So his, since he's one of the fastest, he's in the middle and his, his competitors are off to each side. Right. Like swim lanes, they put the fastest mm-hmm. in the middle. Right. So what he did to fuck with these guys was he changed it to a different setting that he had been training with, but they didn't know what was going on because they all train on on the different one, on the standard one. So it threw all of them off and he was just sitting there going, yeah, yeah, this is going. And he, he totally blew them away. Yeah, he his, his goal, because they don't give rowing scholarships unless you're going to go to like Harvard and Yale because of Title IX. So my daughter is a Division I rower, right? Yeah. She got in because to offset the basketball and football and, and baseball, they give women scholarships and rowing and yeah. basketball and the other things. Right. So she got that to get a scholarship. He's going to have to get down to six thirty, two K and he'll do it. He's that fanatical. He's got one more year, but he wants to do Fucking it just, hard, man. he wants to do it just so he can get into Harvard and turn them down and go to Yale. <laughs> That's all he wants. I, I assume you're totally encouraging this. That's all he wants. And then on top of that, the only other thing he wants out of growing life is to have a U.S. men's team unitard, uni. That's all he wants. That's fair. That's he wants to. Why he, does he, he want wants, Yale over Harvard so much? No, he just wants to go somewhere else. He, he, he wants to apply to Harvard, then to take him for rowing and scholarship and all that stuff, and then turn him down. Does he despise Harvard? I don't know. I don't know why he does this. He has all these, he has all these things in his head and I don't know why. I just think they're great. Like, go ahead, do it. If that gets you there, dude, and you can go anywhere you want, go for it. I'm all for it, dude. I'm going to have to bail out of here, bro. Yeah, no, that's it's, fine. I was, it, you know, we're getting ready to wrap it up anyway, but um, yeah, I mean, this was awesome. I want, uh, this was the best. Yeah, no, I, I, the, the problem is I appreciate the fact that I, I have to respect the East coast time dwellers like yourself. And I, I get yeah, it's it. closing in on 11. I got responsibilities to do. Um, but the only thing, let me, let me, let me, yeah. I just want to reiterate for anyone who's made it this far, right? There is going to be a sequel. Correct? There is. Oh yeah. 
And I don't want you to put that out there on Twitter. I want you to be like, look, I know what I said on the podcast, but that's not true. There will be no sequel. It was a great story. I need you to just fill in the gaps in your own time and understand right. the fact that the world's over. It ended. There was an EMP and it, we're all fucked. Right. Right. But you are writing a sequel. I am. And then a third. Is there only going to be one sequel or will there be a, a sequel after the sequel? There will be a trilogy. It Three. is a trilogy. All right. So and the third book, here. the third book will show us this wider world that I've created. All right. Hopefully it's got my podcast that's back on the air. All right. Cause it's very important as a pirate radio thing in the yeah. Southern hemisphere, well, probably going to need you know. bourbon. All right. More than ever in this oh, new no. world. All right. And uh, this is alchemy is a lost art. Okay. You know what? I think, I think bourbon's going in. I think bourbon's going in. I think you should, because you, you got to realize, you know, this, all right. I know you got to get out of here, but I'll, I'll keep it quick. In these moments, people are going to need to have mind alteration. Of course. Whether they're they're gonna raid liquor stores, oh, they're they're, they're gonna have alcohol. People are gonna seek it out, dude. One of the things you should prep, even if you don't drink or smoke, tons of cigarettes and tons of liquor, because you can trade that shit. You're you gonna be see a warlord. That I have back here. Trust me, I have no, a no. I have a I have a liquor. <laughs> All right, I dude, do. you're gonna be a warlord. I hope that's so. the way to be a warlord. I have, I have thousands <laughs> of rounds. That's all I. I'm, I am prepared. Me, me Wait, as hold well. on, hold on, hold on. I do not. Just behind this wall. I, I do not have thousands of rounds. I do. I have behind nothing. this wall. Yeah. There's a Whatever whole. Whatever behind that wall, I have none of that. I don't know what's going on. No. I just wish to be accepted into the next great culture of and of course whatever we go. All right, so there we go. It's there will be bourbon. Look, the book is Mongol Moon. If you're still watching on the great podcast uh, YouTube version. Please go check out Mongol Moon. The sequel will be coming sometime this year. Uh, please like and subscribe to this podcast. And remember, follow Mark at Mark. Is it Mark Sibley on Twitter? MN Sibley. MN Sibley. Sib Sibley on Twitter. Sibley. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, yes. It's actually a fun account. All right. It's not all about doom and gloom with the MN. No, man. Right. Puppies. Account. Puppies, clowns, uh, and nukes. So, yeah, we'll do that. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Peace out. Love you, dude.